What's up, gamers, and welcome back to the Super Scope Podcast, your wrap-up in this week's biggest gaming stories, leaks, and rumors. We're back with episode 52. I am your host, Retro Game Dude, and of course, joining me as always is my co-host, Daisuke Aurora of Phoenix Aurora Gaming. Um, you can also find the audio version of this podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon's fine offerings. If you're into the audio form of this podcast, uh, make sure you follow us over there, too, because it does help us tremendously. Um, so we're back, and it looks like... I think all the, all the audio is working that right now. For yes. now. All right. So um, what do we have coming up on the show? We're going to be talking about uh, Sonic Frontiers. We're going to talk about um, Sony's new MMORPG in the works. And an indie, we're going to talk a little bit about the Indie World Showcase. Um, not not too in-depth, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll broach it. And then um, uh, we're going to talk about a little bit more of some like, Game of the Year stuff. And then obviously uh, the future of Twitter, the, the subject we can't afford to ignore anymore at this point. Because uh, it's impacting just about everything, including the uh, the gaming stratosphere. So, um, how the hell have you been this week? Uh, you know, I'm staying busy. Same as always. Right, right. Um, been good, though. Cool. Good deal. Same here. Um, we, what do we do? What do we do this week? We played some Casual Crashers. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, um, we uh oh yeah we 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 learned how to like fight those uh what was it we started fighting in the beginning that we got stuck those like panda dudes with the magic or something that we were stuck on them for a little we bit we got stuck that on that week? that was that was the first week we did it but we got stuck on like the um oh, what was that level the like, lava place the lava place and then the, the mechanical castle um yeah that that that's kind of like a, a hurdle anytime you play the game it's it's it is what it is there. Then Dude, the, the window for those like clubs like this, like the engine piston style clubs mm-hmm. is like, it's very That's non-forgiving brutal. window. Right. <laughs> very. Um, but yeah, we, we had a good time with that. I finally figured out, I guess kind of like some of the, um, the core mechanics of getting through that mechanical castle level. Uh, mm. That was, yeah, we finally got through that. Then we um, made it to the desert area. And it seemed like the, the, the difficulty level kind of snapped back, kind of normalized there. Um, yeah. Nah, we had a good time. Oh yeah, but we'll be playing that again Tuesday. I think our other mod Lovey Ray will be there. Uh, mm-hmm. She said that she wanted to play, so we'll see. Um, so I think she'll be there. So we'll have her get her caught up with the character, and then um, Wednesday we're gonna continue with the spooky mansion, Spooky's jump scare mansion. Is that what it's uh, called? <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, Spooky's jump scare mansion. Right. Um, so I'll be having the first episode of Castle Crashers pop up on YouTube this week, and probably the first episode of Spookies as well. So mm-hmm. uh, look forward to that coming on YouTube this week. And that's pretty much all I have for uh, our stream update. We did play some Jackbox last night. Not the biggest turnout in the world. Um, so I, I don't know if it has to do with my hashtags, but I'm, I'm you know I'm trying to pull, trying to find new places to pull players, and it's just kind of becoming slim pickings. I don't know if. Um, yeah. people just didn't receive the Jackbox nine too well. I thought it was a banger, but, um, mm-hmm. hopefully next week we can pull some more heads. I mean, we, we were able to play a full stream, but, uh, it got a little hairy there for a minute. It might be an, even like, because it's so new, maybe people didn't pick it up yet. It's possible. Cause the rest of Jackboxes I imagine have been around a long time, probably dipped on sales some points, like mm-hmm. more people probably have them or something. Sure. I almost wonder 
Do you think maybe it'd be more effective to like open with like an older Jackbox and maybe. then get maybe like a bigger poll there and then like, oh, hey, we're going to switch over to nine. Mm -hmm. You guys can play along. And then, hey, did you know, like if you didn't know nine's out, you know, it's only right. been a little while or like, well, stuff like that. people don't need the game to play it along with us. Yeah, that's, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, well, I just wonder if like, maybe people don't know. Well, yeah, I guess that's true. I was like, I wonder if maybe people just didn't realize nine even came out yet. So they're not really thinking to look for Jackbox nine. Mm hmm. Um, but w when you list it on um, Twitch, it just it's just Jackbox party packs. You know, it doesn't like uh, list the individual packs. Oh, okay. So I yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, I, someone said something last week or this week about trying out uh, Quiplash two, and maybe we'll check that out too because we usually open with like Quiplash three. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't been back to Quiplash two since we've been playing with three, so maybe I'll check that out and see what happens with that. Yeah. But yeah, so that'll pretty much be this week's schedule. Um, excuse me, what else do we have here on the the list? Of course, I mean, we're here Sundays for the Superscope podcast. Um, what are you playing uh, this week? Um, I've mostly been playing um, Don't Starve with mm -hmm. Daimyo. Um, that's been a blast. I've never played that game before. Mm -hmm. And... Um, we just started playing it like a week ago or something, a week and a half ago or something like that. Um, it's punishing, but good. It's fun. It's uh, it's definitely a learning curve kind of game. You will get murdered by something and be like, what the fuck? And then you have to like decide to like go back and try again. <laughs> right. Uh, there's a lot of like, holy shit, why is that a thing moments? That's for sure. Um, you were in there last night in our chat with us when we were like getting killed by heat, killed by like giant frog <laughs> yeah. rain, killed by random crater attack from big dude we can't see. Like, yeah, it was tough. Um, hop in with you sometime. Yeah, it's fun. <clears throat> I have it. I played it like when it first came out. I didn't really care for it too much. I think it was only single player at that point too. So yeah, this is. It's like actually, it's. A, we were looking at and talking about that. Don't mm -hmm. starve is like a standalone game and then don't starve together was like a sequel title with pretty much the same mechanics and everything, sure. but it's considered its own game. Even if you want on steam to get them, they're actually two different titles, hmm. um, which is kind of wild. But the nice thing that they did was like, cause Jace was looking at the other day on his theme. I think like don't starve is like 15 bucks and it comes with a second license that you just hand to someone. Mm hmm. So I'm pretty sure Daimyo bought it and then because he just gave it to me. I signed in one day and I had a gift from Daimyo for that. And I was like, oh, cool. And I'm pretty sure he must have bought it and then gave me the copy for something for us to play together. Right. Um. So that's cool. We could always like, you know, if you if you ended up getting it to play with me and Daimyo, you could always just hand one to like a community member or a mod or something. Oh, true. Cool, cool. All right. Um. What am I playing this week? <clears throat> I haven't really been touching Final Fantasy 14 lately. I kind of like peek in check retainers pop out um it's just kind of been difficult yeah. to kind of get the the group together we're trying to do like a tower of the dead run um yeah. just for the hell of it and just getting a group together for that lately just seems like a challenge it's just kind of like a weird time of year i think um for a lot of people so yeah i think the best bet is for me and you and claire to just go for it by ourselves i think um, I mean, you and i run it by our with just me and you i'm pretty sure we could do it like with a three-person team yeah yeah i think it might be a little hairier as we get higher but like once we get to like our 90s and our full job unlocks, I think we can go all the way to 200 without for a problem. Because sure. we're we're not doing it for the achievement, so we can still do 10 floors at a time and yeah, just, just keep playing if we just, die. Right, and just mm -hmm. peck at it as we need to. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that would work out. And then I know that like for me personally, it gets kind of like 
when I, I don't know why it is, but like when I hear there's a live letter for Fall Fantasy, I like kind of put the game down a little bit. Oh, did we lose him? So the one we just got, what's up? I thought we lost you for a second there. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, the live letter we just got had like the broad information, like we're getting this raid, we're getting this dungeon, we're getting another deep dungeon, we're getting uh, you know, this, that, this, that, this, that, that whole long list I sent you guys. Um, and what what usually for some reason what happens with me is like I'll kind of stop playing the game around that time, and then when they give us the um more detailed live letter of what's exactly coming and details of like light levels and things, mm-hmm. I'll jump back in and start getting ready for that. Um. I think it's like just some sort of thing I kind of picked up to like avoid burning out is like when I get the first live letter, I kind of just put the game down. So I know that when I come back for the other one, I'll be ready to play it without feeling like I've been playing it nonstop. Mm-hmm. I don't really think about it. So it must be some kind of like subconscious thing I just do. Yeah, that's fair. I know like the last week or two, I've been not signing into Final Fantasy. I mean, it didn't help. But I feel like we did like they dropped Criterion Dungeon and I was like, yeah, Criterion. And then. Me and you and Claire were like, all right, we're going to do Criterion. And then, like, we kind of had we a just problem never... with our fourth failing a little. Yeah. Uh, and then we just never did it. Right. After. So. <sighs> yeah. That's what it is. Um, yeah, I, I should. I, honestly, I haven't even touched, like, the Island Sanctuary yet, except for, like, doing, like, the first, like, initial part of it. Um, and since, like, no one's on, this is probably, like, the best time uh, yeah. to do it. So You should. I ran that through the end. And it's getting improvements. We're getting, like, a couple of the animals. Content. We're getting a tiger. We're getting a tiger that supposedly, if you don't check in on him, he'll do something. I don't know what it was. Maul your shit? Um, <laughs> prob- probably, actually. Um, there's also a couple of other monsters coming. I forget what they did. They all had unique mechanics tied to them. Mm-hmm. Another new structure is coming. Um, and I think they were, like, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but there's rare monsters on the Island Sanctuary, too, that you can catch at certain times of day. So you could have some fun chasing those guys down. Like, uh, you you can get, like, regular chocobos, but at certain times of day, you can get, like, the black chocobo, or you can get, like, very different variations of the monsters, basically. Interesting. So that's cool. And then you can just, like, you know, when you catch, like, the rare thing, you replace the normal one in your sanctuary with the rare one or something, just to mm-hmm. have them all. But yeah, no, there's all kinds of stuff coming. There's improvements coming. There's, like, quality of life changes coming to the island to make it so it's easier to, like, move things around and do all the things at once. Because, like, right now, you have to, like talk to all your animals individually to collect their parts. You have to talk to each individual plant to harvest your garden. And they're going to make that all like a, like a harvest all click or like take all animals click. Like they're making changes to make it better. That's good. Which is great because it wasn't even like it was bad, but they're like hearing what people are nitpicky about and say, well, we'll fix that too. Mm-hmm. Which my favorite thing about the Final Fantasy team is like, I swear to God, they will, they'll listen to the tiniest quippy nitpicks and be like, we'll fix that too. And they're like, they'll just fix it. <laughs> it's nice. wild. They definitely don't stop. Yeah, no doubt. And hey, we get to go. Uh, the next twenty-four man raid comes out, and we get to go into. Um, they showed that big tree, which makes me. It screams Ulda, not Ulda. Uh, Gridania. For Gridania, me, yeah. Gridania would be Nafika, which means you get to. Uh, we get to go fight her. It seems to make make the most sense. So we'll fight her plus a couple other of the other. Four more. Yep. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, cool to see. I don't know who's the. I don't know who the patron saint for uh, the patron saint for Ulda was Thal yeah. and Nald, the twins mm-hmm. or whatever. The patron saint for um, Gridania is Nafika. I don't know which one is for Limsa. It's probably some water dude. I have to guess. I don't right. know which one very well, so I'm not super familiar. Um, 
Light Melene? Maybe. Um, hey, is that clear? Just yeah. no sound from you? From me? Hang on. There better be, goddammit. I heard sound from you just now. Am I crazy? You maybe. Hang on, I'm going to mute again. You're not hearing anything? No, yeah, you're making sound. Okay. Okay, I'm muting. No, yeah, I don't know. That's weird. You're <laughs> making sound on my end. That's really bizarre. Um, <clears throat> At least when I unmute the stream, you're making noise. So, um... What was I gonna say? And hey, we get to go. Uh, the yeah, next that's probably. I, yeah, get to go the into, water one's um, got to be in the last chunk. They showed Luke's that big tree, which makes me. It screams um, Ulda. Not Ulda. Uh, the other Granadia six, though, I have no yeah. idea. Like you've got like Halone, and you've got like some other people. I don't know where they're gonna show up. There somewhere. Gotcha. But I think are Northern Thal separate ones, or are they considered one thing? They're considered one thing. Yeah. Oh, okay, I was about to say because then we did be off one, but no, right. yeah, it makes sense then. Yeah, uh, Ly, I can't. Pr I'm not gonna pronounce it right, but Ly, Ly Malane, uh oh. the navigator, which would absolutely yeah, make that sense. Um, He's gonna navigate us to our doom. Oh man, daughter of Thalik and Azema, oh. the elder sister of Nafika. Hmm. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah. So we're gonna have those two. Sure. Um, and then we've got our next. I mean, God, I I won't even go into it because there's too much. It, it'd be the whole podcast. There's so much stuff sure. on that list. I, I sent you like six pictures of like just lists of content. Coming. <laughs> next time we do a live letter, we'll just do a an episode. Dude, it's gonna have to be like a live letter episode. I'll just like, let you talk for an hour and I'll take the break. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's literally where is it? I put it right, uh, right in front of all these things, maybe. Um. Oh, you know why Claire can't hear me? I bet you she's watching it from the start. Oh, oh maybe. Yeah. Yeah, that very well could be the case. Um, that would definitely cause that problem. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe I got rid of the. Oh no, here they are. Yeah, there's like <clears throat> a quick. Ha! This is what it would be. Manson Air Quest, Tataru's Endeavor. Newfound Adventure Quests, Further Hildebrand Quests, Tribal Quest for the Loperates, Main Story Quest Dungeon, Lapis Manilis, New Trials, Blank and Blank Extreme, New Unreal Trial, New 24-Man Raid, New Ultimate Duty, two weeks after 6.3, which that's like the ultimate, you know what I mean? Right. Um, so we're getting another, a fifth ultimate already. New Deep Dungeon, Eureka Orthos, in the 6.35, which will be like, you know, a couple months in. Mm -hmm. uh, new Treasure Dungeon, New duty support added for other stuff from Heaven's Ward. Job changes, balancing stuff for Paladin. Apparently Paladin's getting a big rework, actually, so you might like the way it plays after. I guess we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> um, crafting and gathering. New enhancement quests. We're getting the relic weapon for the gra uh, crafters now, again. Like we got back in the last one. Mm -hmm. uh, new custom deliveries. Changings for fishing. Island sanctuaries, new ranks, new visions, new item rewards. New workshop interfaces, quality of life changes, new animals. Da, 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 da. User interface changes. Um, I saw they're adding portraits to the duty finder now. Yes, that should be that should uh, be interesting. <laughs> Except for, I was trying to find that fishing rod picture we found 
but I couldn't find it again. Oh, but yeah, the guy like with it's, like the like the aw face. Yeah, like, the, he's got the fishing oh, rod. Yeah, that's that's wild <laughs> shit, dude. Uh, um, yeah, that's gonna pose a problem. Yeah, they're doing like, uh, they put out the housing update. They're adding more housing. A total of eighteen hundred new plots per world. Oh, yeah. Um, Gold Saucer is getting a new leap of faith course. Hmm. Um, dude, that's so much fucking content for a patch. It's yeah, it's absolutely dude, well. New deep dungeon, new trial, trial extreme, twenty four man raid, um, dun- treasure dungeon, new ultimate dun- uh, trial. We're getting more like, maps. Holy shit! We're getting yeah a new map dungeon too called. Uh, the Shifting Gymnasium Agonon. Hmm. So, new Deep Dungeon, new 24-man raid, new Trial, new Trial Extreme, new t- Main Story Quest Dungeon, um, new Treasure Dungeon, new Ultimate Duty, plus expansion on the, the Relic Weapon Quest, plus Crafter Relic Weapons, plus adding to the Island Sanctuary, um, plus the Main Story Quest, plus the other two side quest things, Tatsuru's Grand Endeavor and Tales of Newfound Adventure. Plus stuff for the Loperets, crafting. It's a new crafting beast tribe for us to do crafters. That's what's up. I mean, I don't, I don't want to be that guy, but like, it, they, <laughs> they, the amount of content they put out per patch is insane. And meanwhile, I look at other games on my list that yes. are considerable games that maybe we would play, and I can go get an emblem because a gun took over the game for forty eight hours. <laughs> right. That's, yeah, uh, the quarterly that's updates the that we get out of certain games is, is pretty <laughs> wild. When you look yeah. at the content that comes out after, what, a 15-week patch? Not yeah. even 15 weeks, uh, maybe, what, two months? On the one hand, I'm preparing for literally months worth of playing content. And on the other hand, they're like, lol, gun takeover game. Ha right. here's Emblem. Yeah. I'm like, okay, thanks. Thanks, community event. And that was the best part, because people were like, yeah, we're getting a community event this week, and then that happened, and people were like, oh, it's going to be a whole community event around this gun, and then it was like, uh, it's an emblem. Knock yourselves out. Right. People were like, okay. Yeah. Gun makes spark. Here's <laughs> emblem. Like, yeah. what kind of community event is that? Listen, it took them a long time to make those sparks, and... Uh, yeah, they have these algebra. And, and have a UI window pop up and say, like, I'm Telesto, visit me on Twitter. <laughs> oh boy good you know, stuff one of these games uh, one of the state of these games is not like the other right um but hey i mean they've they've still got more users than twitter blue so i guess there's that <laughs> that's at least that's a thing i don't know what i don't know which direction the insult goes for that one i have no idea i just saw that and i was like i'm putting it down on the ground yeah. take it wherever it needs to go <laughs> like they both the insult could work either way and i'd be fine with it yeah that's funny <laughs> man I, get right. back on my way. I just i just noticed it was the kevin conroy batman yeah so I, this that's is kind of my, cool. my tribute here um kevin and conroy unfortunately passed away this week um obviously the voice of batman since i was a kid um mm-hmm. and he's just been like multi-generational batman all the way from the batman oh, yeah. animated series then they did the justice league that kind of crossed over where batman was ending justice league was starting i think there was kind of like a bit of a about a year crossover there um, mm-hmm. Still to this day, one of my favorite TV shows is uh, the original animated Batman series. Oh yeah, um, I classic. think he did some games. He did all the, like the animated movies, all the animated like kind of like offshoot series. Um, 
that I just it's a huge loss for for any any gaming fan, any comic book fan, any just Batman fan, any just even like casual Batman fan. I mean, th- like again, this was this was a pivotal TV show for its time. Um, incredible oh, yeah, art, incredible background art, incredible just everything, just the the theme, the nuance, everything about those shows were so good. Um, so yeah, yeah. And even like he did, he did. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't he Batman's voice in like the Arkham games as well? I'm pretty sure he was. Yes, I'm pretty sure him and Hamill were both in on it to, <clears throat> to do Batman and Joker. Yep. Um, he's like he's just like the definitive voice of Batman. Like yeah. whenever I hear Batman talk and it's not him, it's weird. Mm-hmm. The only exception I think with that was like Batman Beyond. I didn't have any problem with like the guy who did Terry. Mm-hmm. Even then, I'm pretty sure he Kevin Conroy was in that show. He as was still old. Batman, yeah, he was old Bruce so, Wayne. Right. I, I, I just I really like Batman Beyond, but I think Batman Beyond just fleshed out what this show did well. This show's mm-hmm. writing for the time was like unheard of. It yeah. was very much a show that could hold its own today. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe with some touch of animation, I guess. But like that's that's the 90s, right? What do you got to do about that? Yeah, very. Yeah, phenomenal. Um, real shame. Great dude. Great voice work. Um, mm-hmm. Shame to see him go. Absolutely. Um, all right. So I'm playing this week uh, Into the Breach. So this one's kind of like kind of flew under the radar for me. I saw it pop up on on Reddit on like a on a like a Switch game collecting Reddit. Took a look at it. I'm like absolutely have to have it. It's um. Did we talk about this last week? You said it was really good. And okay, that I should check it out. <laughs> yeah, it is really good. You should check it out. I think it was off the podcast. I think you just mentioned it okay. in, in a Discord. Call. I was like, I don't remember if I brought this up last week or not, but no, I did play a little game. bit more of it. The game is great. Like if you're into like Advance Wars or Final Fantasy Tactics style games, it leans more into I would say like Advance Wars. Um, but the mm-hmm. battles are a little bit shorter. So it's usually like a five or six round turn. Um, it's kind of got some like roguelike elements to it. Like if you lose the battle, um, so the game starts, you're getting, you're getting sent back in time when the game starts. So you basically, you're starting out a game over. Um, you get sent back. Like, so you basically, anytime you fail, you go back into this time rift to try to start over, to try and fix like the time. Um, I guess Earth or wherever this is, you're getting invaded by these weird bug creatures that crawl out of the ground, and um, it's just basically devastating the planet. So you go back as like these. Uh, you have a team of like three mechs, um, and you can unlock different teams um, as you as you play. Um, I got the minion I wanted, so I'm good. <laughs> nice. So oh, oh please, there's there's gonna be new stuff in that dungeon. That's why we're not taking you. <laughs> um, yeah. So. I just, I, it's really great. You, you can, you know, it's a game where you can kind of just drop in for a couple minutes and then wrap it up. You know, if you just only have like a couple minutes to play, it's perfect. You can like play it in like little bite sized pieces. Um, mm-hmm. Now, the great thing about it is, too, it's like you have like these islands, you have to play like a minimum of like a certain amount of um, these little t- skirmishes. And then once you play like, I think like four or five, you face the boss. Um, and after you beat that boss, then you can checkpoint on the island. So even if you go back in time, you can skip that island again when you come back. Um, cool. Yeah, so you, you do get a little bit of, like, RPG elements. Like, your, your team can level up. Um, you can find, like, weapons on the battlefield and kind of equip them later, um, upgrade your weapons. I will say that, I mean, it, it is a difficult game. Um, even with, like, a five or six turn thing, um, it's... The, 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 um, the level ramp is a little rough, but... I, I definitely enjoy it. You can find this on Steam as well. I have it on the Switch. I might actually pull it, pick it up on Steam too, just to have it on the Steam Deck. But yeah, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, so Into the Breach, definitely recommend it. Um, let's talk about pickups. I got a bunch of bunch of Switch games this month. Um, so I pulled Shin Megami Tensei. I pulled that. I actually found this used for like sixteen bucks. So I pulled that. Obviously, Into the Breach. 
Grab that. Arcade Paradise. This actually just came this week. I haven't even gotten the plastic off of it. Um, Tactics Over. I cannot wait to bust this open. Um, that is kind of yeah. like the predecessor to Final Fantasy Tactics, obviously made by Square. Um, <clears throat> the piece de resistance, the uh, the absolute peak of Switch gaming, Balan Wonderworld. Got this for stupid cheap. <laughs> I don't know if it'll ever come out of the plastic. I bought it for the meme. Um, Harvestella. Harvestella. I need to uh, play that as well. Um, I got my order from uh, Special Reserve Games. Card Shark came in. And then Super Rare Games. I got um, The Tourist and Fast RMX. Fast RMX obviously being a launch title for the Switch. And uh, The Tourist, um, obviously a really critically acclaimed game. I really want to try this out too. And then last, I got uh, Persona 5 Royal um, Steelbook Edition. So that's our pickups for, I guess, this last month or so. Um, that's a lot, of, a lot of meat to dig into. So I'll definitely be uh, checking some of those games out soon, uh, and maybe stream some of them. We'll see. <laughs> so, uh, let's dig into our social media accounts here real quick. Um, Game Do Retro on Twitter. You can find me there. Uh, this podcast itself, I love to find more time to use it. Um, but we're Super Scope Cast on Twitter for the podcast itself. Uh, you can find me on Twitch where I do all my streaming. Um, Game Do Retro. I'm sorry, Retro Game Dude on Twitch. And then YouTube, obviously, you're here. It's at Retro Game Dude as well. Um, and then we don't have a sponsor right now because of Handheld Legend. They are switching over to a new affiliate system. So I'm just waiting for all that to clear. And then hopefully we'll just have them back and it will be a smooth process. So um, it's kind of where we are right now with that. So no sponsor this week. That's all right. <clears throat> so let's get into the quick headlines. Um Obviously, we saw Sonic Frontiers launch this week, and we saw some mixed reviews with, um, I, I would say, like, mostly positive, but there were just some weird one outliers. What was it? Uh, digital Trends oh, yeah. with, like, a one out of five and just shat all over the game. And it's like, someone pissed, did, like, did Sonic the Hedgehog, like, come pissing your Cheerios? Deliver, like, that you're so yeah. angry at this game? I don't understand it. <clears throat> Well, I, like I, I'll never take a review seriously when it starts by saying, um, "Like, oh, remember Sonic 06 was bad." Well, now let me talk about the game I'm reviewing. Like, what? Right. <laughs> like, what, what does that have to do with anything? Right. Um. So yeah, let's take a look here. Um, we have VGC. Uh, Sonic Frontiers has smashed the series record for concurrent players on Steam, nearly doubling the record set by Sonic Mania five years ago. Um, so that's pretty impressive, I would have to say. That's um, doing gangbusters right there. Sonic Mania was phenomenal, well loved. Um, mm-hmm. So I, it just with digital trends, really weird take on, on the whole situation. Um, it didn't get, I don't know, it kind of got like the review we were expecting it to get uh, through Metacritic. Um, but the player count was really, or the player review was really interesting. So we got a meta score of like 72 from critics, user score at 8.7. Now, Daisuke, why is this interesting? <laughs> um, wait the 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 user score. Mm-hmm. Oh, let me tell you about the user score. <laughs> um, no, so the so the Steam review, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, the the Metacritic scores are pretty much all in the eight plus range, like mm-hmm. eight point two, eight point five, eight point seven. PC was like eight seven. PS five was eight seven. I think all the other consoles were in the green still. Yeah. Um, Steam reviews are like 95% overall right now. So like overwhelmingly positive. Um, and I thought it was funny because um, there's a there's a game of the year 
coming up next month and the whole conversation has been happening like what's going to be game of the year and a lot of people are like tossing between it being Elden Ring or uh, God of War mm-hmm. and uh, if you actually go look up people's reviews on Elden Ring uh, on Steam it's a 92% which makes it not overwhelmingly positive but just very positive um, both overall and recently um, it's actually been getting better reviews lately because people I guess picking it up late or something I don't know mm-hmm. um, and I mean, I am. I I don't want to say that I'm biased because I'm not biased for Elden Ring, um, and I do like Sonic, so maybe I have a little <laughs> bit of a Sonic bias going on. But if if Sonic's getting user reviews at like an eight point five, eight point seven ish area, and Elden Ring's user reviews couldn't break eight because if you go look it up, none of Elden Ring's re- user reviews on Metacritic are higher than seven point like eight or seven point nine mm-hmm. or something, and it's getting beat on Steam ninety five percent against ninety two percent. Why are we talking about Elden Ring against God of War when we're talking about God of War against Sonic Frontiers? Sure. Um, unless the only metric you go by is like critic reviews, because critics, like you said, there were some random critics who gave it like a one out of five. Um, a couple of random critics. But you know, it's funny. If you go back and look at Elden Ring reviews, all the critics that gave it 10 out of 10 are people we've never heard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, like or like IGN Spain or like places that are like weird ones. And then if you actually scroll to the bottom of the list for Elden Ring reviews, at the bottom, there's a bunch of reviews from regular game reviewer places that never finished their reviews for some reason. They just <clears> left them hanging. And I almost wonder if it was like everyone had been like, this game's 10 out of 10, and they just didn't want to write their reviews because they were going to give it a 7 or an 8 and get shit on the internet for it. Right. Like everybody did who said anything bad about that game. So The gatekeeping uh, was incredible. Oh, um, incredible, dude. Oof. How many people were like, hey, uh, I accidentally missed the tutorial because it turns out the entire tutorial is easily skippable mm-hmm. and poorly done. And people were like, oh, get good. And it was like, that's not my guy. <laughs> this game sold gangbusters because a lot of people got hyped into playing it and were really excited to play a new Souls game or get into the Souls franchise for the first time. Mm-hmm. And the way the game was designed was bad for them. And then you looked at them and said, well, sucks for you. What? Right. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> if your excuse to a game having issues is, well, then don't play. <clears throat> like, we, we see it with Destiny, too. We see, like, oh, well, this is a bad creative choice, or this is a bad development choice. Yeah. If the answer is, then don't play, then that's shitty. Um, that's well, look what happened when the, the price ass. went up $10 last time for the expansion. Mm-hmm. And then this time, the price stayed the same, but we lost the, the dungeon key part of it. <clears throat> Or, right. or whatever it was, so like the extra part. No, yeah, now it's eighty dollars for everything, but you don't have the. Uh, you have to buy the first season. It's fifty or eighty instead of forty or eighty, and we're like, hey, making it fifty and eighty and including the first season by force <clears throat> is worse because you're making people spend more money now than they would have had to before. If they wanted the fifty dollars expansion plus season, they could have done that. But mm-hmm. now you've packaged them together, so they have to buy it. That's actually a bad thing for people, and they were like, well, then don't buy it, and it's like. Okay, <laughs> but when everybody doesn't buy it, or a lot of people don't buy it, you can't be mad when, like, cough, cough, literally right now, Destiny's numbers are in the shitter. Um, and then they're like, well, then don't play it if you don't like it. If you don't think it's funny that new players signed into the game and saw that Telesto took over the game and was on Twitter, and were like, why is the game telling me this? I don't live on Twitter or even use Twitter. This means nothing to me. This just feels like the game is being weird. Mm-hmm. Like, how many people played Destiny and their Telesto was broken mm-hmm. for, like, a week? And they didn't know it was a joke. They don't go online and check. They don't look it up. They're just like, I don't know. Telesto was being weird. It was some kind of bug. I do hear randomly sometimes that Telesto is like, haha, it's broken or it's a bug. But maybe it was just stupid again. And then a week later, it just gets fixed. And they're like, okay. Mm-hmm. For those people, it just looks like Destiny is like an, an 
an unstable mess. Like maybe they don't even know what they're doing anymore. And they're like, what the fuck is happening at Bungie? You know what I mean? Right. Like they basically oriented this event around people who live online. And that's probably not a great idea. <laughs> sure. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. It's funny if you do that shit on Twitter because then only the people on Twitter see it. But like when you drop, when I signed into Destiny on the main page and the main page is like, I am Telesto, I am Telesto, I am Telesto, I am Telesto. I'm like, I don't get what this is. This is weird and dumb. And I'm just going <laughs> to go do something else, I guess. Right. Or like, I don't know if the game's, be if, if I'm Telesto pops up all over my screen and then I go to the vault and I take out Telesto and it's broken, I'm just, there's nothing, there's no mystery to solve. There was no community event. You couldn't go do a thing. You couldn't right. go figure anything out. You just had to wait for them to just change Celesto to be not broken. So what is a new player supposed to do? See that and be like, oh, yeah, I, I should go look up on Twitter and set up an account and follow <clears throat> Dusty so I can see what's happening with Celesto. And then it turns out it's just an emblem. And it's like, oh, I'm glad I did all that for this emblem. Like, you guys couldn't just give me the emblem or something? Well, right. I don't know. The whole thing was just like, oh, I don't know. The whole thing was just stupid. Like, and, and people were expecting a community event. They were expecting... Right another thing to do in the game and well, it wasn't <laughs> we've seen like past community events where we like we saw like rasputin send its like warmind nodes to shoot almighty out of the sky to avoid it from hitting mm -hmm. the tower oh um, yeah we had some crazy cool ones and then we had like the traveler coming back and rehealing itself and like giving the yeah. like, giving like guardians extra powers and <clears throat> now we're rele relegated to like here's an emblem like it just seems like this, like Destiny or Bungie is just like writing it off, and everything's like so formulated that they're just not doing anything cr super creative. Um, we saw them talk about how like they're not doing any other secret missions anymore because of the cost of encryption. It's like, excuse me, it's like we know how much money you're making on like just your just your cosmetic store alone. Um, like I, I don't want to hear about the cost of anything, especially now that you have like Sony backed money. Uh, yeah. just it's horseshit. Absolutely, no, absolutely. it's insane and it's like and, and there's ways you could get around by doing this where like you could have a lot of this content literally not get dropped until the day that it comes out and then mm -hmm. it wouldn't matter if you encrypted it if you had a whisper of the worm style mission coming out you mm -hmm. don't have to preload all that stuff you could just have it drop the day of and then right. it's in the game it's and in the patch. Like, there's nothing to data mine it's there we know it's there right. i mean i guess like, the day of the patch people could data mine and see it but at that point it's already there for people to go find so what does it matter? Like, right? <clears throat> De-incentivize yeah. the the the. They just want to have digging. these long drawn out things where people have to solve a bunch of things over time. And if that's the case, that's a whole other bag of worms. But I don't think that's what people are like hammering for. People are like, people want stuff like Whisper the Worm mission and Zero mm. Hour mission back. We don't necessarily care if if we have to do like the eighteen step sleeper simulacrum or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. Well, that was the, the the sleeper gun. Where like you had to do bit by bit by bit by bit as they put it out or whatever. Sure, that's whatever. I mean, it'd be cool, but it's not the end of the world. I think just having stuff like Zero Hour or Last or Last Wish or uh, not Last Wish, uh, Whisper the Worm was like cool shit that we uh, need to get back to, and we're never gonna. Right, it's been years. Yeah, it sucks. But anyway, uh, Sonic Frontiers reviews are good from players. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> Yeah, so let's. Uh, talk, I mean, forms. let's talk about like what are, what is the criteria of a game of the year game? Um, right. Obviously, if we go by just like critic Metascore, I mean that's one way to go about it. But why yeah, that seems we... stupid? Because like right. we had we had critics giving it a one out of five because they didn't like Sonic Boom or something. Like, come right. on, sixty one. Uh, Mitsu gave this game a thirty five out of forty, and they're pretty solid as far as I know. They're like one of the respected ones everyone talks about. Mm -hmm. Um. And God of War got a 36. It scored one point higher than Sonic Frontiers in Famitsu. So, 
If that's a metric, that seems like a pretty good one. Sure. Um, I mean, I think like you have like a user score based on 1,400 ratings. Ver- yeah. And you have a credit score based on Office 61. I, I mean, you would think that the user score has a more accurate pool just because of the numbers. You have a, a more accurate per okay. capita rating. Um, I, I just, it's just, it's frustrating to see this because, you know, like the player score isn't being taken into account for a lot of these games. That's what should be more taken into account. These are the people that are going out to buy the games. These are the people yeah. that are consuming and giving an honest review. Um, right. And at the end of the day, I don't think you need to be a professional reviewer to either say that you do or do not like the game. Well, yeah. And that's the thing is like, I see so many people all the time where they're like, Oh, did you see like, like, like Elden Ring is a good example where it's Mm -hmm. like, you go, you look at the meta score for that game and it's a 96. Right. Mm -hmm. And I started looking at these people, slant magazine, never heard of it. Atomics, never heard of it. God is a geek. Never heard of it. GRY online post arcade. Who are these people? (laughs) Right. No, seriously. Like slant magazine, the enemy edge magazine, Carol Quintain. People Ozzy that paid Sire? money to lobby for for like a journalist pass through the Metacritic, I guess. I don't know. Look, I've just never seen a single one. The loadout. Mm-hmm. Het. H e t space n i e u w s b l a d. Gave it a hundred. Mara Station gave it a hundred. Daily Star. Who the fuck are these people? <laughs> you know what it is? They're Souls players. They're Souls fans who are, who have probably never reviewed a game. And then they were like, oh my god, Souls game. And they reviewed it. Mm-hmm. CD Action, Area Hugones. Who are these people? And they're all hundreds. And then you actually go to the very bottom of this list, and do you know who didn't finish their reviews? Like Ars Forbes? Technica. They didn't Euro finish Gamer. the reviews. Ars Technica didn't even finish their review. And like Euro you said, it was probably more tactic- tactful that they, or tactical to not do it. To not do it, because they probably would have gotten yeah. their asses dragged. Ars Technica, Eurogamer, Giant Bomb, Kotaku, Polygon, The Washington Post are the six of the seven at the bottom who didn't finish this, their reviews of this game. They were afraid um, of Fallout. Guarantee it. Yeah, they were given it an eight or something and then got shit on. Yep. So I was, I, they didn't, and this, we're talking this game's a year old. How did they not finish their reviews? Mm-hmm. We know why they didn't finish their reviews. They didn't just say like, oh, we forgot to finish. They obviously finished playing it. They just never went back and finished the review. Sure. Um, yeah, and it's just it's it's hilarious to see that because it's like, the, the it's packed with like eighty ish reviews, uh, eighty four critics, and I haven't heard of like fifty or sixty of them. I've never seen any of these people review anything ever right. on here. Every time you look at any other game, none of those come up. These are um, these are people that probably pass the minimum criteria to get like a um, critic review pass on Metacritic. Uh, they probably yeah, have like absolutely. some fucking crazy blog or something. Um, like some Blogspot website that they use to, to kind of like hoof to make it look like they have like a that they write articles or something. I don't, I don't know, but yeah, I'd love yeah. to background check some of these dudes after after the show just to be like, oh, okay, <clears throat> would not Absolutely. be surprised. And then and then yeah, like uh, yeah, and then we were looking at like like people like Famitsu giving the game a thirty five out of forty. People like uh, Forbes giving Sonic Frontiers a ninety. Um, Gamer sc- like actual game review scores coming in at like over you know eight point five on like all different platforms. Steam review coming in at ninety five percent for five thousand Steam players. Mm. Like 
there's not you don't get 5,000 people who buy Sonic Frontiers on Steam, play it, give it a 100% rating or something like that because they're fanboys. These people aren't buying right. Sonic Frontiers for $60 on Steam so they can give it a good review. Yeah, like, Sonic doesn't have that. This game. The, Sonic the Hedgehog does not have that base. Uh, no. I mean, do they have some niche fans? Absolutely. Um, oh, totally. <laughs> but they don't have the fandom that Elden Ring has. Oh, but even when you have Sonic fanboys, they don't like 3D Sonic. They like 2D Sonic. So they don't even defend Sonic Frontiers or games like it because it's not the thing they like about Sonic. They like Mania right. or Sonic Knuckles or like stuff like that. So every time a game like Sonic Frontiers comes out, even the Sonic fan base usually looks at it and scoffs because it's not a 2D Sonic, which is the thing that it seems like is the only way to do good Sonic. I tell you, it's it's now. a very divided community. It's really weird. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, the, the like it's just funny to watch. And I'm like, okay, well, if we go off like user scores, Sonic Frontiers should be a game of the year contender. If we're going off critic scores, why are we even bothering? Because we're right. just letting the people who like write reviews and how many times have we seen people always joke about like, oh, journalists know how to play games. They don't know how to do the opening and cuphead, they, you know, this, that, and the other. Right. So it's like at this point, oh God, it's a popularity contest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like it's a popularity contest. If the, if the reviewer score is from critics, they're the only ones that matter. Why do we even bother with game awards? We just right. let like ten, it's like the Oscars or whatever. We let like thirty people pick what game is the best game of the year based on what their kids played. Remember we watched that whole thread where it was like people on like the it was at the Oscars or the Emmys where they were just like, oh, I didn't watch half these movies. One dude was like, oh, I don't watch like weird movies from China, and it was like Japanese movies. Mm-hmm. Um, one guy was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't watch Nope because like black director. Like I'll just I'll just give it to like this other movie. Like we see that shit all the time, we and, and do, you're gonna yeah. tell me that game critics are any different? Like, so I was like, yeah, if if it's off user score, great. User score is definitely where it should be. Users. Game players should be the ones voting for like what game of the year is, right? And I don't and, know. I and we it, see that, like, yeah. Was it like uh, the awards, game awards? Like I think what is it like ten percent or less? Um, the game, like the actual, users, like, yeah. yeah, the users, like it's like weighted less than ten percent, which just goes to yeah. show you how much com- commercial interests are superseding the actual quality of the game. Um, I, I just, I personally would be very disappointed because especially lately, I've been seeing more and more threads, people going back and looking at Elden Ring from like developer standpoints and being like, what the fuck happened in this game? Mm-hmm. Like, I remember I sent you the link the other day of like, uh, like um, a person in the industry has been doing uh, 3D design for like 30, 40 years since the Unreal Tournament days. And they looked at Elden Ring and they were like, yo, this person's crown is like unnecessarily crazy tries for no reason right you've got people like you've got models where like if you take away like parts of their armor they're fully fleshed out faces underneath and they're fully done figures and it's like but that never comes off there's no animation or change to this character there's no variant of this character where you see their face and it's behind like a mask and their face is fully modeled and textured and rendered like what the fuck and you have that's 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 like housekeeping 101 right um that's... And it's like it's the same soul shit as always, but like in a big open field now. Like mm-hmm. you still don't have direction. You still have the same design as the Souls world. And the problem is the Souls games are very good at having tight corridors and narrow areas with good design. You can't just throw that into a field because then it's just like whatever. I don't know. There's just dudes everywhere. I guess. <laughs> like you don't get that. You get it in the dungeons. You get it in some areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just the more I watch people talk about Elden Ring, there's the people who are like, I have a critical opinion about this game, and there's a lot of problems with it but it's all right overall, or it's even good. Mm-hmm. And then you get people who are like, well, it's a fucking Souls game. It's a 10 out of 10. How did you, did you have not played a Souls game? <laughs> Fuck is, get fucking good. And you're right. like, okay, great, thanks. I mean, I played it, and I just didn't find it like that interesting. I think I got maybe like halfway through it, and like, I was like, this just isn't grabbing my interest. I don't know. No. It just seemed like a... Well, I mean, like, there's threads where people were like, hey, you get out of the first area, and there's this giant tree boss that fucks your shit up. Mm-hmm. 
that kind of sucks. And then like the Souls players were like, yeah, it just means you have to get better. And it's like, that's not a good way to teach the player that they want to get better. Right. Mega Man X does a great job of teaching me I want to be better by showing me a stronger character and saying you can be like him by the end of this game. Sure. And then incentivizing me to get stronger. Walking out of a door and getting one shot by a tree who hits me through a wall because of clipping issues doesn't inspire me to be better at this game. It inspires me to get a better game. Like, yep. holy shit. Like, I would never... Like, if I picked up a game and I immediately got murdered like that, I'd be like, oh, wow, that's awful. And I'm talking, like, yeah, you even saw, like, attacks through walls hitting you in positions you couldn't be hitting because you were in cover. Mm-hmm. Like, bosses with dumb shit like that. Dogs that, like, one-hit you because they accidentally do infinitely multiplying damage and they never patched it because, whoops. Um, <laughs> right. And how many times did we Souls fans were like, uh, Elden Ring is perfect the way that it is. It's designed the way it is on purpose. We're not going to make exceptions for players who are weak or bad. We're not giving you guys quest logs. We're not giving you guys map markers with, with where the NPCs are. You just need to remember where they are. Get a fucking notepad. And then like three weeks later, they patched all that in. And Elden Ring people were screaming like, no, he caved in to like the bad players. And it was like, he said it was intended. The patches um, reflect the status of the game in alpha and beta when those features were there for people to beta test. The features didn't make it into the final game because they had to work on them, and then they added them in later. Mm-hmm. This was literally was his intended design, and they're like, no, it's too easy now, and it was like, oh my fucking god with you people. <laughs> I hate that community. Like, yeah. I, I, it's just, they're like the worst example of a community of people who just rally behind their product regardless of what it is because brand name. You're not wrong. It drives me nuts. It's... You're not Play wrong. Play Sonic Frontiers. Play it for yourself. <laughs> see if you like it. It looks like... Dude, Sonic Frontiers was wild because every trailer they showed us got better than the previous I, It was trailer. just like the weirdest <laughs> fucking marketing I have ever seen for a game. It was like, yeah. In my they were like, 40 they were years like, of existence. They were like, if we set the expectations for this game in the gutter, then it's nowhere to go but up and people will enjoy the new footage. Right. Playing 4D chess. It's wild stuff. I don't no, even get I it. Think, like, Sonic Frontiers, I mean, you put Elden Ring in there for Game of the Year, sure, it sold a lot, it got good ratings from critics, from, from whoever the fuck these people are. Um, Sonic Frontiers can go in there, because it's got a higher user score than that game. Mm-hmm. Um, you put in God of War, which actually I'm hearing good things about, but I am hearing a lot of people in the devs circles complain that it's very handholdy with its puzzles. Like... I guess it's got the same sort of problem Horizon Zero Dawn had, where, like, by default, if you walk into a puzzle and you look at it for, like, eight seconds, one of the characters will be like, perhaps if you push that block into there, then you can drop that on it and it will solve the puzzle. And you're like, yeah, I guess that's the solution. (laughs) I guess it does that a lot. Right. Um, and, And to my understanding, it's an accessibility feature that is on by default, and that's what's causing the problem is that it's just on by default. So like people who need the help, it's already on. But people who don't need the help, it's already on. And I think a lot more people don't need the help than need the help. Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe it should have started default off. But that seems like a minor gripe, I guess. Or at least give like a um, quick button to press. Like, oh, turn off tips and then. Yeah, but that's pretty much what it seems like it is. It's just trying to make it. It's trying to make sure people don't get stuck. And it's mm-hmm. doing it's a little too aggressive on the handholding. Um. But I guess other than that, the combat is like smooth like butter and everything feels great. Um, everything about it is supposed to be fantastic. That's the only gripe I've heard in like any circles that I've seen. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, we've got for the year, we've got Xenoblade Chronicles 3 was supposed to be really good. Um, we had. I, I personally would put either Tunic or Turtles or both in that category, but obviously they're not going to get in that category. Um, 
what else did you even put in game of the year? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've still seen people arguing for a Shredder's Revenge entry there. I would love to see it. I'd love to see oh, him absolutely. sweep it. Just fucking absolutely. Just to upset everyone. I um, think I think Turtles is absolutely in that category because it it really feels like the pinnacle of like what a Super Nintendo game would have been in the day, but done today. Right. It was and just, that doesn't happen. You have rose tinted glasses. Everything seems like it was better when we were kids. Sure. You don't get that experience again as an adult often. Right. So it was wild to get that. And Tunic did a similar thing for me in terms of like oh, reliving man. like the old school Zelda experience. Mm-hmm. Like, um, both of those games did crazy things this year. It was very surprising. Um. Let me see. What do we have a list of what the game awards even has yet? Uh, they're like, going to release this probably tomorrow. If I had the hazard to guess. Um, um, what did they? What did we put up for? Golden Joysticks had their list up, mm-hmm. but they didn't have a single game of the year yet. They were kind of delaying that. Oh, they're they? waiting, right? Yeah, I yeah. think they were waiting. Um, I mean, we can look at like what they had. Like, they're they're. The best indie game did contain Cult of the Lamb, Tunic, Rollerdrome, Neon White, Teardown, Dwarf Romantic. Multiplayer had Elden Ring and Turtles. Turtles was in multiplayer. Mm-hmm. Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, Lego Star Wars. Um, best Nintendo game looks like it was Xenoblade, Pokemon, Kirby, Splatoon, Live Alive, and Nintendo Switch Sports. I'm pretty sure that's Xenoblade or Pokemon, maybe. Pokemon was well-received, but not that well-received, I don't think. RCS? Um Arc, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Arceus, PC, I'm sorry. PC game of the year. None of those games exist. Mm-hmm. Neon White, I guess. Cool. Um, PlayStation has Horizon Forbidden West. Oh, Stray. That was one I was missing. Stray is a pretty strong contender because Stray was really, really good. It was short, right? But it was good. Yeah. Um, Horizon I, Forbidden West. I don't think that beats God of War, but it's. I, there. I think it'll be in there. Um, I, I think it's just more of like. There isn't much else to put in the list this year. Um, I mean, how do we how do we compete? How does God of War and Sonic Frontiers and Xenoblade stack up against Halo Infinite? <laughs> um, is that even like nominated? It can't be nominated this year. It was last year's. It's, um... it's Xbox Game of the Year at the Golden Joysticks, apparently. Hmm. So it's in some kind of contention. Maybe. Um, um, I yeah. just remember it coming out late. It was last year's Gamers Choice Awards or something. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, well, oh boy. Too, I think Game Awards and Golden Joysticks have wildly different ideas about what time frames they fall into. That's fair. That's I fair. think it's. I think. I think Golden Joysticks happens before a Halo Infinite would have been considered last year. So they're for them, it's like a new thing this year or something. Right. I don't know. Um, I know, like um, Elden Ring. I mean, that's definitely going to be... I mean, we know it's going to be nominated. Yeah, um, of course. God of War, we know it's going to be nominated. I think Horizon Forbidden West makes sense. Um, Shredder's Revenge is just one of those weird ones. Where, like, I think it makes sense. <clears throat> I don't know if it has enough commercial backing um, or widespread appeal. Right. That's come, that brings us right back to like the the sort of like marketing and or like what you call it. Mm-hmm. It's not going to get picked unless it's like something everyone's talking about, right? Sure. Because we, you and I both know the main reason that we're going to see Elden Ring there is because people who are big fans of Elden Ring will not shut up about Elden Ring. <laughs> right. But if I go look right now on Metacritic, user and Metacritic scores for Shredder's Revenge on PC were 8, 84 and 8.6, uh, 85 and 8.5. Um, the Switch version was 87 and 8.2. 
Um, the Xbox One version is 87, 8.1. The user score for this game blows out Elden Ring on every category. And it's green across the board on Metascore, too. So, like, mm-hmm. should this be a game of the year contender? Or does yeah. the user score not actually matter? Like, I think it should thing. be at least a contender. That's what it, right, right. Because that's what it comes down to is, like, if, if you think, like, Elden Ring should get it because it's got a 96 on Metacritic on critic side... And it's got like 70s on the user side. Yeah. What does that matter? A handful of people who get paid to play video games that we've never even heard of half that list. They liked that game. Right. Okay. So then game of the years is just like a popularity contest for people we don't know. Yeah. And honestly, I think like like, that that, 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 game of the year. Now that you brought that up, I really think that just looks like ballot stuffing to me with like just no name people, you know, writing reviews for it. Um, Right. Like how's that game of the year? Like if, 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 if user scores for for Shredder's Revenge, based on you know the people that played it, that that Metacritic, I mean, what is like if I look up like Steam, what does Steam say about uh, Shredder's Revenge? Was it on Steam? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Let me see. Shredder's Revenge on Steam. Shredder's Revenge on Steam is very positive, ninety three percent. It's one point higher than Elden Ring. So do we do we put this up there too? Yep, I think. Like, so. how is that? Like, <laughs> the only place Elden Ring beats this game is like on raw sales because they pumped a bunch of money into selling it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it got it, that it like has slightly higher better Metacritic reviews. It got from that these same like weird viral marketing that like Bird Box got on Netflix, like or, or it was just like mm-hmm. one of those things. Like everyone started talking about it. And then all of a sudden it was like popular and it was just like one of those things where it's like, this is like questionably successful without any merit. I would well, remember they were like, they were like, Oh, George RR R. Martin is writing for this game. And people were like, Oh, holy shit. And then mm-hmm. what did that even do? Was mm-hmm. there, it just felt like another souls game, right? All the lore was still tied to like items and random shit. You still didn't know if any idea it was happening unless you really dug into everything. Mm-hmm. What did George RR R. Martin even do here? Name things? I don't know. I don't know. It was one of the, like, they marketed it like it was going to be, like, this groundbreaking narrative experience, and it wasn't. It was the same as every other Souls game. Right. It was like, okay, cool. Like, I don't know. I just It, just, it didn't feel like that guy's inclusion did anything, uh, but be, like, a marketing piece. Yep. Um. Well, I mean... Even, even just recently, like, a week ago or two weeks ago, I saw a commercial with, like, some celebrity girl being, like, something, something Elden Ring, and then they showed footage of Elden Ring, and I was like, they're still doing commercials for this game? Holy fuck. The game's been mm-hmm. out for a year. Like, you can tell that they're still doing, like, the we're staying relevant, and that's it. Right. Oh, my God. And yeah, it's, it's going to get a Game of the Year version next... If it wins Game of the Year, it'll get a Game of the Year version in March, where it won't have any new content. It'll just be, like, the Game of the Year. Yeah. I, I like, can see, the year. like, Shredder's Revenge being both nominated for Game of the Year and Indie Game of the Year. Um, yeah. And it's, like, in, in the Indie section, it's going to be that, Tunic, and, like, four digital Devolver games. So... Yeah, because what was it? Uh... And like Cult uh, of the Lamb was was kind of will probably be in there. Was big. Um, Stray might be in the indie category. I could see Stray in the indie category. Indie category where they too. draw it. That was a yeah. wildly popular game too. I mean, we could even like make an argument for that being game of the year as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be disappointed with the gaming community if Elden Ring wins. But I guess it's not even our fault because it would be the random people who get to have ninety percent of the weight at the award show. Right. It would just really suck for it to be like, what was the game of the year that year? And it was like, it was an open world Souls game where they didn't do anything. Like they just took all the things in Souls and put them out in the open world. Sure. They didn't make any changes to the formula to make it better for being an open world. They didn't apply any of the strengths to of Souls games 
two in open world formula. They just fucking vomited it all over the middle of a field, and they were like, and George R. R. Martin wrote this. Um, I mean, honestly, you, you, can can make a, you can make an <laughs> argument for so many indie games that came out. It's like indie games had like a stronger showing this year than AAA titles did, hands down. Dude, it's been that way for a few years, it feels like. I agree. Every year, it feels like there's several indie games that are in contention for like best game of that year. Yeah, it takes um, two. One last year. I mean, that's a small studio mm-hmm. that EA published. Um, yep. So it, it, yeah. I mean, it could go to anyone. I, I, I don't think, I don't think Elden Ring is as safe as people think it is. Um, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see. You know, when the, when the awards come around, I, 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 it could really honestly go either way. But I think Elden Ring getting Game of the Year is uh, video games version of the Red Wave. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> 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 um what was the one i'm looking it up real quick i think uh yeah the year that undertale came out it beat ocarina of time in game faq's best game ever um poll which is like impossible because like the people who are big zelda fans always rally around ocarina of time winning it every year because it was like a thing they won every year yeah honestly ocarina i think time was like game of the year for like fucking 20 years on game faqs until undertale like took it down nice Honestly, I think um, Ocarina of Time is starting to finally see that Final Fantasy treatment where it's like, people need to shut the fuck up. And this is not necessarily my my views on it, but it just seems like the overwhelming thing is like, people need to shut the fuck up about Ocarina of Time. It's not that good. And I, and oh, yeah. Final Fantasy started getting that treatment, I would say, probably like five or six years ago, where it's like, all right, people need to shut the fuck up about Final Fantasy VII. It wasn't that good. Again, mm-hmm. not my opinion one way or the other, but um, sure. I don't think Ocarina of Time was that good, to be honest, but um, that's you know me. what was a You know what was a really good video to watch about that? Um, I don't know if I ever showed it to you. Ego Raptor, Aaron Hansen from Game Grumps, he uh-huh. did a, like a 30-minute breakdown of Ocarina of Time and why a lot of it's bad. And I think we might have watched it, or at least it's, talked about it. Yeah, and it's so true, because like, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I loved Ocarina at the time, and I think sure. Ocarina did a lot of stuff it was groundbreaking for like the 3D Zelda. It was the first 3D Zelda. It did Z targeting. It figured out a lot of things that needed to be done in 3D Zelda space. Oh, we've had that um, conversation before. Where just in general, like the N64 first party titles did a lot for future titles. Yes, Mario um, 64, Zelda, um, and a few others were like pivotal games about creating 3D space and rules for 3D space. Mm-hmm. Like Mario 64, you had the thing called the shadow drop, where like when you jump, there's a shadow under your character. Mm-hmm. You almost never needed that in 2D games, or it was rare, because for what? You were moving up and then back down, and you could see your character the whole time. But in a 3D space with a depth that's not always easy to communicate to the player, that drop shadow would let you know that, like, if I jumped over a ledge and then I could see my shadow, I could use that as, like, a way to guide myself. Right. Um, And then, yeah, things like Ocarina of Time invented Z-targeting, which every fucking 3D game on the planet uses third, like, angle targeting with, like, a lock-on thing now. Mm -hmm. Um literally set the bar for that and that's great that it did that stuff but like at the same time holy shit ocarina like there's you wait for everything you wait to open treasure chests you wait to open doors you wait for all the encounters you wait for like this and that there's constantly waiting um you've got like going back and forth between places sometimes like having to go back here and then play the song and then go back here and then play the song and then go back here like if you want to go from place to place and then back you have to like play the song go to the place run to where you want to be do the thing, run, like, then play the song. It puts you back at this other place. Mm-hmm. You can't go straight to a lot of places. You have to, like, know the closest place and song there and then run there from there still. Um, and it's like, oh, man. And then there was, like, all the um, 
like combat stuff, a lot of enemies just turtle up and put up like a shield or like a block, and you have to like wait for the opening. And then when like they go to attack, you poke them. Right. And then you stand there and wait again. And then they they kind of circle around you a little bit, circle around you a little bit. And then finally they like go to swing, and then you like poke them again. Mm-hmm. That's not hard. It just takes like a good two minutes. You know, the Lizalfos they show up, and the boss music plays, and you're like, oh fuck, Lizalfos. But then it's like you stand there like this, and then they stand there like that, and then you wait for them to like, and then you like. And then they go down and you're mm-hmm. like, OK, like it's not there's nothing difficult about that. It just feels like it's difficult because you have to sit there and wait. And if sure. you fuck up, then it feels like, oh, no, I fucked up. Now I have to wait again. And it feels bad. So, like, that's what makes that fight feel like it's bad. And, and there's so many fights like that. The wolves are like that. The Lazalfos are like that. There's so many enemies that put up a shield and wait for an o- and you have to wait for like the opening. The clams do that under the water with the hook shot. Like, there's a lot of like artificial difficulty buried behind everything taking forever. Very true. Um, and it's one of those things you probably don't notice as a kid or, you know, game dev critics weren't really a thing. You only had the industry and that was it. And they didn't, you didn't have Twitter. You didn't have Facebook. You didn't have social media. People weren't making YouTube videos about Ocarina of Time's development. So you right. had no, uh, it was a product of its time. To. You didn't have the retrospective that we have right now too. Cause it was right. like the, it was all new. So, I mean, like to be fair, like the developers, this is all new dev- to developers. And it was all new to us. Like just oh, seeing yeah. 3d graphics was just mind blowing enough that we, didn't notice like the weights. Um, oh yeah, well, of course. Or all the padding and stuff. You have a time playing the game or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, if you sit here now in the in the year of our Lord 2022, <laughs> almost in the next year, and you look at me with a straight face and say, uh, "The best Zelda game of all time, definitely Ocarina of Time," and I go, "Not Breath of the Wild," and you go, "Nope," and then I go, "Not Link Between Worlds," and you go, "Nope." What the fuck are you talking about? Right. Like, I oh. understand if one of those two isn't your bread or butter, because I know that some people didn't really like Breath of the Wild's divergence from the path of Zelda. I don't mind it. Like, it's just not, I don't think it's the best. It's I just, fine. I think it's okay. I think what, well, Wind like, Waker's probably up there with probably one of my favorites. I don't oh, think, yeah, it, I don't that's know the thing. is it the best? That's not for me to determine. I could not, I don't, I don't know if I could take someone who said Ocarina of Time is better than Link Between Worlds with a straight face. Like, it's not that Ocarina's bad. But Link right. Between Worlds, to me, better. from my understanding of the Zelda franchise as a whole in general, from having played a whole bunch of them, that game is almost like the, the epitome of what a Zelda game should be. Mm-hmm. It does so many things right. Um, I don't even know what gripe you could have with Link Between Worlds. Yeah, I, and honestly, I am more partial towards like Link Between Worlds and like Link to the Past. Like Link to the Past. That just down. like that over top. Yeah, yeah the top down, the top down look. It's just I love that. And it Dude, did. I would I'm I on record fucking and say love that playing me. on the 3DS. I think Link's Awakening on the Switch was more fun than Ocarina of Time. I had more fun with that game because that feels more like a traditional Zelda to me. Sure. Like, Ocarina of Time's biggest gripe for a lot of people was, like, they call it, like, like, Egoraptor called it the Disney trip, where it's, like, you know, you open up Ocarina of Time and the game is, like, welcome to Ocarina of Time. Uh, If you want to leave the village, you got to get those three things first. Okay. Go get those three things. Now you got to go do the boss. Okay, do the boss. Now you're out in the open world, but the open world is mostly locked unless you go to the castle. You go to the castle. Okay, the castle lady's like, go to the village or something. Go up the mountain. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I guess I'll go do that. But at any point, you can't diverge. Like, you can't just leave the forest without the items. You have to get those things first. You have to do the first dungeon first. Then you leave. You get out in the open world, but the beach is locked because you don't have a horse to jump the gate or whatever. Um... The, the the village is there, but you can't really do anything in the village. The graveyard doesn't do anything right now. The mountain is locked by a gate, and you need a letter to get in. So you have to go to the town. So you go to the town, and the lady's like, well, go to the castle. You go to the castle. The lady's like, here's a letter that lets you up the mountain. 
Now you can go up the mountain. You still can't do the Zora because the Zora won't react to you. Like, you couldn't do it in any order. You couldn't go to other places. You really can't explore that world. You literally have to do a guided tour of it. You have to do beat by beat what they tell you to do until I think, like, you're an adult. And mm. then even as an adult, like, you've got some selection on what you can do and when in terms of, like, the, the medallions. Um, yeah, I mean, and Majora's Mask has the same problem. You have to hit the four things in order. You have to literally do them in the right pattern. Um... And, and meanwhile, like a game like um, Link Between Worlds or Link's Awakening, like Link's Awakening has the eight dungeons in order, but like Link Between Worlds was just like, go. You could go wherever you wanted in that game. Yep. You could get all the items almost immediately if you raised up some money. That and you could rent, rent the items go and just go to whatever you want. You yeah. just go do any with anything. Yeah, they and, did a and, brilliant job of that game. And they broke up the Zelda formula because unlike most Zelda games where like Ocarina, where it was like, walk in. I can only explore half this dungeon. The other half of the dungeon is all hidden behind doors that have an eye that I have to shoot. Hmm. And then one of the rooms gives me the bow. And now I can do the rest of the dungeon. And now that I got the bow, the boss is going to be a dude who's weak to the bow. I get it. And right. you do that for every dungeon. Link Between Worlds was fucking smart about it. They were like, all these boss fights don't really require any items. Or if they do, they require like one item. And you can kind of just do it. The mm -hmm. item didn't come from the dungeon. So the dungeon's treasures were generally treasures. You didn't have to be like... Oh, I'm in an ice place and there's frozen doors. I bet there's a fire rod in the chest in the middle <laughs> and it was a fire rod in the chest right. in the middle. No, it was like the chest would have like upgrades for your sword or like a better shield or armor or heart pieces or big things that you could do stuff with. Mm -hmm. And you never knew what you were getting because it wasn't like the dungeon was like, welcome to the spider dungeon and there's big threads everywhere. I hope you can find some big thread cutters. And then it was like, oh, man, I, uh, how am I going to cut these threads? And then in the middle of the dungeon, it was like fucking bolt cutters. And you were like, oh, wow, <laughs> bolt, bolt cutter item. Yes. You know what I mean? It's the same, right. that's, how, that's how all those dungeons were designed. Which, it, like, again, in the 1990s, that's smart dungeon design. It's cohesive. It makes you have a, a through line for that dungeon where it feels like this makes sense. Um, that doesn't hold up 30 years later. We've, sure. We know better. We've got better design options now. So it's not like Ocarina is a bad game, period. It's just that if you look at that game and then a game from 30 years in the future, like now, it's not a fair contest because we have much better concepts and understandings of game design. That game isn't going to be beating modern Zelda games most of the time anymore. Um, and there's nothing, it's not like a bad thing. Sure. It, it can't be game of the year forever. <laughs> right. Eventually something like Undertale is going to overthrow it. And when Undertale overthrows Ocarina of Time, it was for good reason. It's because a bunch of people finally were like, wow, I guess Ocarina really isn't that great. Well, not only that, but you have like this new generation of people that just never played Ocarina of Time. Yeah, that too. Um, but that's the other problem too, is like how many people are going back and being like Ocarina of Time and they look at it and they watch it for a little bit and they're like, why does it, why have to wait for everything? Mm -hmm. This sucks. And then you're like, oh yeah, I didn't think about that. Right. <laughs> like, um, um yeah it's play sonic frontiers <laughs> I, I know that's like the that's the thing we're on and i think it was supposed to be a quick headline and we went off the fucking rails well i think what end. we're gonna do instead of talking about the game awards later i think this is kind of concludes <laughs> yeah i think we're, I think we're yeah. good there um anyway it's, that was the quickest headline i think we've ever had no i'm kidding uh yeah yeah so let's move on um Sony is reportedly uh, partnering with NCSoft, uh, makers of Guild Wars, um, to make a Horizon Zero Dawn MMORPG. So mm -hmm. we know Sony is kind of throwing a lot of bunch of shit at the wall and see what sticks as far as live service games. Obviously, this is probably going to be one. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do here. And I, the people are typically talking about how oh, it's like you know these games aren't going to be successful. Sony only needs one to be successful. 
they're going to try a bunch of different things until they see what works. Um, yeah. I think a Horizon Zero Dawn where a world is already fleshed out, there's already a lot of lore, there's already a lot of history, probably not a bad idea. Uh, and if they can cor- incorporate MMORPG mechanics smartly, um, flesh the world out good enough, I think it would be not a bad idea. Um, time will tell. Uh, so Eventually, with, with Sony's plans for releasing all these live service games, one's going to be a hit. Um, yeah. we, we see what Final Fantasy XIV has done for Square. Um, and a lot of times it's saved the day for their financials. Um, so if Sony has one or two of those games go off, they don't need them all. They don't, they don't need like the nine or 10 that they plan on it. I don't expect nine or 10 of them to stick around. I expect one or two, probably two at most, maybe a third if they, if they play their cards, right. Um, but yeah, I, I be interested to see how this does. And uh, I would expect to probably see in the next year, probably see like one more, two, one or two more announcements as far as live service games out of Sony, um, especially with their acquisition of Bungie, who, as much as we bitch about them here, they know what they're doing as far as pulling in money for live service games. Absolutely. They're very good at monetizing, that's for sure. Right. So, I don't know. Do you have anything to throw in about that one? Um, I mean, I'm always for more MMORPGs. I only really mm-hmm. play Final Fantasy 14. Sure. Um, but I like the concept and I as I've gotten into like I don't want to say older age, but like as I've as I've gotten older, like, you know, late 20s into the 30s, my favorite thing in video games is to play with my friends now. Same. Um, I still enjoy like a good single player experience and I still enjoy like a good RPG or a turn base mm-hmm. or like a tactical game. Um but there's something about playing with your friends and being able to like just get on at night and like hang out with your buddies and like and socialize. That's uh, it's been a nice change of pace from like, you know, when we were younger and it was like we'd hit card shops or we'd go like hit malls together and that's how you would hang out with your friends. It's like it's kind of cool to be able to just get on and hang out with your friends online. Sure. Um, so if we can get like another good game, like something like FF14 style, if they take any lessons from any game, I swear to God, <laughs> please look at that one. Um, <laughs> I'd be happy with them doing that, and I think I'd probably give it a shot. Um. I'm not a Horizon Zero Dawn or Horizon Forbidden West player, per se. I've never really touched either of them. I I can't say that, like, the world interests me, Mm -hmm. but it does seem like a good world to build this out of. Right. And that's the... I don't know too much about the game myself. It looks great, and everyone who I've talked to who's played it loves it. Um, Yeah, I haven't heard anything bad yet. It's it's been one of those things where I've almost played it a couple times, but I have yet to get around to it. You know what's funny, uh, and I want to circle around to this, but the only people I heard complain about Horizon Zero Dawn when it came out in March or whatever Mm -hmm. was Elden Ring players bitching about how the game was too, like, helpful to players. Um, That was was the only people I saw that hated it. Do you remember that? We talked about Uh, that, actually. It was just people Um, getting overly defensive about it. Well, yeah, because, like, Horizon Zero Dawn came out, and people were like, it's a good game. And then people were like, oh, it's not as good as Elden Ring. And then, like, they started putting up pictures of, like, the screen and being like, look, it has a marker for where to go, and it has text that tells me what to do next. And, like, it has things that tell me, like, like, like a map and a health radar, and, like, it has things. And then people started making memes about, like, if Ubisoft made Elden Ring, and it had, like, all these extra things on the screen. And it was like, okay, I'm sorry that the game only tells you, like, welcome to the game, go die. Like, okay. Right. Um... Turns out people actually like those things. And you know what's funny? And then Elden Ring added it in in a patch, all that shit. And then they added it in a patch, yeah. Um, And then people were like, uh, people were saying, even with the new God of War, they were like, oh, you know, it's kind of annoying that it's really hand holdy with the puzzles or like, or like in Horizon Forbidden West, 
um, she would look at a puzzle after 15 seconds or so and be like, I wonder if I can get that thing running again. And it's supposed to clue you into how to do the puzzle. Um, and it turns out the reason why these games do this, um, you can see developers talk about it on Twitter. They, t- they mentioned that like, on the whole, people who play games are just kind of dumb and not like gamers who like play games all the time, but like a lot of people casually pick up a game and then just have no idea what they're doing. Like, mm-hmm. They were, they were saying, like, in God of War, they're like, oh, it's so stupid that, like, if I catch on fire, one of the characters will be like, you're on fire. And it's like, no, you don't understand. A lot of game players won't even realize it because they're so into, like, playing the game and, like, mashing buttons and doing attacks. They literally won't realize they're on fire. And the game will have to straight up tell them they're on fire because they won't know. Like, me and you play video games all the time. And a lot of people in our category play video games all the time. But there's also a lot of people who just don't. And they have no idea what's happening in their game unless the, t- the game tells them. Mm-hmm. Um... You get people where they do these white paper tests, like developers talk about what's called white paper testing, which is like bringing in family and friends and being like, hey, play this section of my game and I'm not helping you at all. Mm-hmm. So just play this section of the game and let me know what you think. And um, these these people are like, yeah, we'll do the white paper tests and people literally won't know where to go. They won't see doors. They won't see stairs. They won't see exits. You'll give them a hammer and then you'll have like a big rock that's like in front of a door and they'll be like, I wish I could get out of here. And they'll wander the room for 15 minutes. And we'll just kind of peek our head in and be like, hey, you can use the hammer to smash the rock. And they're like, oh, yeah. And it's like, OK, most gamers would pick that up in a heartbeat, right? Like you break a thing or you make a thing or you do a thing. But a lot of people really don't put that together. They really are bad at that sort of situational assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, is it kind of annoying sometimes when a dude in a game tells you you're on fire while you're on fire? Yeah, but it's probably helping like eight players for every one person that it annoys or whatever. Sure. So should there be you an option to turn that off? Yes, but yeah, yeah. Well, it usually is an option. Sure. It's just I think they leave it on by default because more people need it than don't need it. You know right. what I mean? Right. Um, but and, and, and then we see, you know, people like the Elden Ring players who are like, oh, the, like the game, you know, offers me any kind of advice about where to go next. I mm-hmm. hate it. And it's like, okay, that's fine. But, like, there's a reason why most people... There's a reason why Elden Ring sold, like, hotcakes and had high critical scores from these random people. Mm-hmm. But the user score is under 8.0. It's in the sevens. Buyer's because remorse. Because a lot of people... A lot of people picked it up, played it, and were like, I don't actually think this is really for me. This right. is asking a lot more of me than I want to put into a game. Sure. Like, <laughs> um, And then they put it down. And, and this is why we get where we get with that kind of game. This is why... Despite being one of the probably the best selling Souls game of all time with like broad appeal across everybody, it turns out people didn't really like it that much. I, I would say all. that if there was like so, a, an Elden Ring sequel, I don't think it's going to sell as well as the first one. No. I think a lot of people would have gotten there like, oh, I know better than to buy that game the first right. time. The Souls players would enjoy it and the Souls players would buy it. And that's great. And that's they're allowed to enjoy it. Should be for. I don't have a problem But that doesn't that. mean that, like, you know, if if. Like if me and you convinced every person in America to pick up a copy of Tunic. A lot of people are going to hate that game. A lot of people are going to be like, this sucks. And they're Mm going to get lost, and they're going to get stuck, and they're going to put that game down. It's not made for casual gamers because they don't hold your hand at all. Uh, That game really doesn't. It's very minimalist about what it does. And for people like me, or maybe you, solving that puzzle and figuring out what to do next is is the intrigue. We want to figure out what to do next. A lot of people do not want to do that. Like, I can speak, I have two kids, and I can tell you, my gaming time is not that... Um, I don't have a lot. I have a few hours a night usually. And I would feel terrible getting on for a night and spending all night doing nothing. Sure. Like, and then just being like, well, I burned my gaming night, I guess. Here's what people don't understand is like the game that are the games that are handholdy, they are there because it behooves them to sell games. 
Yeah, well, it respects your time more than any other game, even if right. it does patronize you a little bit. It's at least a game that you can sit down and make progress no matter what. Sure. And you and feel these about that. Games require to make money require a broad appeal. To have that broad appeal, you need to appeal to players of different skill sets, players of different ages, um, to play and if the if the options are there to turn off the tutorials and you don't want that challenge you want a challenge turn them the fuck off problem well, you don't see that's why souls games don't sell outside of souls games right like they you don't see any other thing in the souls niche that really sells and it's because of that souls just has a brand name attached to it and mm -hmm. it's got like a nice a nice following behind it but like you don't really see other souls games ever and when you do it's games like mortal shell or like Wukong, where they're like games you've never heard of by people you've never heard of, mm -hmm. and they maybe do all right, and then you never hear from them again. Like, there's a reason why most people don't want that experience. Or if they want that experience, they want it in limited capacity, and those people seek out that type of game. The people who seek out, you know, the Souls games are the Souls players already. You know what I mean? Right. It's like Metroidvania. A lot of Metroidvania players who love Metroid... Like, Metroid Dread was a phenomenal game. I do not expect that to be a mass appeal game. A lot of people who picked up Metroid Dread would get lost and they would get frustrated and they would put it down. You know, I love Metroidvanias and I love Metroid Dread. Same with like Hollow Knight. I, it's a fantastic game. And for all we know, Silk Song will have that problem. Silk Song will get so much like hype and demand behind it and everybody memeing about like when Silk Song and then when it finally comes out, it, it drops on Game Pass and everybody can play it for free or something. And a good 20% of the people who play it are going to be like, this fucking sucks because they're going to get lost. <laughs> Or they're going to get killed in a fight. In the first two, three fights, they're going to get murdered. And they're going to be like, God, why do people play this game? I don't know where to go. Everything hurts. Like, I keep dying. I lose my shit when I die. What do people like about this game? And they're going to just put it down. And the game's going to end up with, like, a 95 from critics and, like, an 8 from users because it got more... It, it left its uh, intended audience, so to speak. Um, sure. I think Elden Ring did that a million percent. Left its intended audience and... And, Overall, uh, I think we can suffer because of it because a lot of fires are more, story, right? Yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. You're a living, you're a living, breathing example of it, right? Sure. Um, I, I'd probably I, give that I, game I, a six out of ten, maybe a high. I did not. High six. I did not. I did not buy that game because I would have. I would have found a hundred more things I hate about it, <laughs> and mm. I would be sitting here reading off a fucking essay. So I didn't even bother because I already know. Yeah. I played. I played uh, Bloodborne like probably halfway through, mm -hmm. and I see the appeal of that type of game. And I also see the reason why it does not leave its orbit. <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah. Fair enough. Give me to circle back around to that. Um, Sony, please make a good MMORPG with Horizon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we got um, Indie World. We dropped uh, a couple days ago. Uh, so we can <clears> talk <throat> about that, too. Um, see if we can correlate that to Elden Ring, too. Um, My first, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, my big gripe with this Indie World announcement was near the end, they did like one of those like slapdash, like, we're going to show you like five yes. games in a quick thing. And they they shoved inscription in there. Right. Like it wasn't anything. I was yeah. like, you motherfuckers. Like, it drives me nuts. Like, like the last, like the, the, the best content in the last two Indie Worlds I've seen were in the sizzle reels. And the like, sizzle reels. Like, God damn it, man. There. We had to sit there and pause the sizzle reel and go game by game and look them up. And like all the games were like bangers. Right, and we had so, to go look them up individually. They led off with a game called Venba, um, mm -hmm. and I don't want to shit on the game's developers' hard work. They did, but it, like, why is this not in the sizzle reel versus inscription? Um, right. I, 
baffled. Maybe it's because De Devolver Digital has a couple other games in there, so they were just like, Inscription's been out for a while, why not put another di digital Devolver game at the forefront? And they did that with uh, Pepper Grinder. Yeah, yeah. But it's just, I question what they put in those scissor reels a lot. Um, oh, totally. But yeah, so I, they announced Venba. Um, they moved on to a couple other games. It wasn't like Again, this wasn't like the heaviest hitter of indie directs, but there are there there's some good some good stuff in there if you dig. And I, I think Pepper Grinder again, digital devolver game. I think that'll be great. I'll end up buying it physical. Um, Coffee Talk's getting a sequel here. There's a game called Oni to the Road of the oh, yeah. Mightiest Oni. Um, yeah. That looks like it might be pretty good. Uh, definitely like the style of it. And then Desta, this, this is like a weird one. It was like, I don't know if it's like a dodgeball game with like weird narrative. Yeah. But it's like, it's yeah. a very, a very narrative driven game. It's, I'll be interested to see what that does. I might peek at that. Um, mm -hmm. Botany Manor, there was Door Dogney. Am I pronouncing that right? <laughs> door Dogney. I make it to Door Dogney. Um, um. Bob. So, <laughs> Once Upon a Jester, I mean, Rogue Legacy 2, it's good to see that's coming to the Switch. I really enjoyed the first yeah, one. I'll probably cool. I'll probably grab that. That's actually out now. That uh, dropped the same day. Um, mm -hmm. Blanc, that looks really cool. Um, yep. It's like the, seen that one, yeah. the white deer and the, and the fox. It's a very, yeah. like, very, it's black and white, but very, very white. I wouldn't recommend playing it at night because it's going to burn your retinas out. Um, oh, yeah. WrestleQuest looks interesting. Um, it's definitely like a parody... It's almost reminds me of like golf story, but like with like wrestling characters, where it's just kind of got like that Final Fantasy or not Final Fantasy RPG taste with like you know some retro style graphics. Yeah, um, and I don't. I guess it looks like they're actually using the names like Macho Man Randy Savage on the Giant and tons of other icons. So they're actually uh, using like the names of like old WWF stars. Um, so I'm I'm not like a big into like wrestling now, but like old school wrestling, fucking cool yeah. as shit. I miss like funny. the the characters like Macho Man Randy Savage dude were peak. Um, yeah. So, but that looks really good. Wobble Dogs. I'm really surprised that this took so long to get to the Switch. Um, my daughter's mm -hmm. a big fan of this one. I would check this one out too, especially if you have kids. Um, it's actually really cool because it, you it's like um a genetic combining game, I guess you could say, where you like you can breed these wobble dogs for like certain characteristics and get like new wobble dogs it's it's bizarre but oh. um yeah i would definitely check that one out um <laughs> world of horror looks pretty cool if you're into like old ass like mac games like black and white monitor mac games um definitely check that out uh, what else do we have here curse of the sea rats i didn't really that was probably in the sizzle reel because i didn't really see that uh, inscription of course i would mm -hmm. definitely hella check that out um yeah. And then a little to the left. And I think like the big one here was uh, Sports Story getting announced, the sequel to Golf Story. Um, it looks like you'll be able to do a couple other sports-related things in this other than just golf. Um, but I'll be interested in seeing this. It has like dungeon exploring, all kinds of like weird stuff. So I guess fishing, you can do some fishing, you can do some soccer, um, obviously golf, um, maybe some cricket, it looks like. But yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the original golf story. I would I would definitely recommend this one too. This obviously was like the heavy hitter of the show. They that's why they waited until last to announce it, um, and that'll be coming out this year in December. So mm -hmm. add it to your wish lists. It's coming. But uh, that, that's really all we have for it. Like again, it wasn't like a heavy hitter uh, indie direct, and I've been kind of like one of those advocates of like, oh, this is kind of where like the best of the best of the Switch games are. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. 
But this one, yeah, it's just kind of mid. I hate to yeah. say it, but yeah, mid. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm at the point where, like, every time we get any kind of Nintendo Direct that doesn't have Silk Song in it, it's like, mm-hmm. okay. Sure. <laughs> it's not fair to them because they're putting out some cool games and they're putting up good products and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just like, holy shit, please tell us about Silk Song already. Right. They know people are looking for it. They've they've known for a long time. Yeah, um, I, I didn't even see like the um the the memes going around this time with like oh Silk Song when with the clown face. Yeah, yeah. I almost feel like people are just, just kind of like, giving up on it. Right. I'm kind of disappointed. Disappointed internet. Right. So. Oh man. Um. Uh, I, I I still can't believe they shove inscription in there like that. Oh man. Right. That's such a good game. So unique. Like you won't find another game like that. Like it's a, it's a it's a combination mm. card game with like a horror mystery thing going on. Right. Yeah, it's, it's not like you're just like so funny. you're just playing like it's not like a magic arena where you're just you're just playing magic. Like you play the card game, you explore this like room you're locked in with this weirdo. Um mm. the characters in the cards are alive, like the stoat and they're trying to yeah. help you get out because they're all captive in there too. Um and then there's like puzzle boxes. It's almost like there's like an escape room element to it, for the lack of better yeah. terms. Ton of ton of cool shit in that game. Mm-hmm. Really wild to see it get stuck in a sizzle reel. <laughs> yeah. But again, I think I, I really have strong suspicions because of that pepper grinder being like a newer developer digital, they're just like just chuck it in yeah. the sizzle reel because it's already done what it needs to they do. Were more as far trying as to, yeah, more trying to drive the new game than right. capitalize on the old one coming over. Yep. Yeah, it's fair. Ooh, get a little tired here, but yeah. So that's pretty much what we have for Indie World. I guess we can just kind of jump into uh, what Twitter's been doing lately here. Um, obviously, we saw um, Elon Musk buy Twitter, uh, going from a forty-four billion dollar acquisition to what's now related. That's now about a what eight billion. Yeah. So we've we've hemorrhaged off some money with it in the last couple weeks, haven't we? Um, we I've been I've been glued to this. I've been watching all the all the this shit show <laughs> unfold. I am just like, this is the best entertainment on the internet right now. Um, mm-hmm. And not, not in his defense whatsoever. It's just, it's uh, become yeah. such a shit show. Um, obviously they rolled out this verification system. They wanted to get rid of the, they surfed them or whatever it was that he was talking about. No more peasants and this and that. So yeah, yeah. Um, they got people to pay $8 to get rid of um, this peasants and lords system which sounds a lot like paying eight dollars to have special access to twitter um better engagement and better improved ads which sounds a lot more sounds a lot like a peasants and lords system if you ask me you know know what's actually funny about this whole thing too Mm -hmm. it it's actually that like even just saying like people paying eight dollars to get twitter blue and have the better version of twitter it's even that's like misleading because what's actually happening is like if you don't have the better version of Twitter, mm-hmm. you get buried. You end up at the bottom of feeds. You don't show up above the blue checks. So like, even that is like, it's not even like you're getting a better version if you pay the eight dollars. It's like you're paying the eight dollars just to not get buried right. behind the people who didn't. Yeah, pay it's like keep the poor out like, system. It's like, it's, yeah, it's literally making it worse for everyone. But you can pay to like make it not get worse for you. It's right. insane. It is. Um, it reminds me of like there was a whole thing in game design that happened with World of Warcraft, where like when you played World of Warcraft for longer, they would eventually start to give you'd get diminished returns on your experience. Mm-hmm. 
And um, like, did that in Destiny when it first came out. De- yes, Destiny, Destiny 2. had a problem, mm-hmm. which is hilarious because that problem was already solved in Final Fantasy and some other games right. where like they had even World of Warcraft actually had already fixed it by the time Destiny implemented it, which was really weird. Um, the problem was like they didn't want you to play too much, so they would diminish your returns and your experience, so you'd get less. So you would be in- incentivized to like stop playing, right? Mm-hmm. But it wasn't a strong enough incentive to stop playing. People would still play and then just bitch about the fact that their playtime was worth less, you know? Um, so they flipped it. So what they did was they came up with the idea of you have a base amount of return, a base amount of experience that you always get. And then if you hadn't played for a while, you'd get you'd earn like rest experience. Like so you say you earn like a hundred grand of rest experience, then as you get your normal experience, you get extra experience from that rest pool. And that way you're getting extra for having not played for a day. Mm-hmm. And then once that runs out, you're back to normal. It's the same exact thing. You're getting an amount and then the amount is diminishing over time. <laughs> Except by doing it this way, it's framed as a positive because you're always getting your base amount. But now you're getting bonus, right? Right, right. So it sounds like you're like, ah, oh, here and then to this. When in reality, it's the same thing it always was. You're getting an it's amount and then you're getting less. Marketed different, it's right. framed positively. And that made all the difference for everybody. And Final Fantasy has the same thing. You ever sleep mm-hmm. in a town or at your house, you get the green experience bar that gives you extra until it runs out. Um, Elon Musk did the opposite. He literally found a way to reverse that by being like, hey, what if uh, we, you know, you have to be here to pay to be here and then everyone else is down here. And it's like, what? You literally did the opposite of what you could have done. You could like, oh, my God, I couldn't even I can't even go on about that because it was such a bad idea. Um, like this past two weeks have shown that this guy literally only got to where he is riding in the back of money because he has no idea what the fuck he's talking about. Right. He absolutely has no idea what he's doing. Um, Twitter was shitting on him today. They, they tore him apart because he tweeted something like, sorry, Twitter is slowing down in a lot of places. We're doing over a thousand RCPs um, just to reload the homepage for people. And it was like, you're saying that just started happening though, because that would have been a, that that would have been regular infrastructural stuff that would have always happened. Mm-hmm. So either either that's not the reason it's happening, or if that is the reason, what the fuck did you guys do to suddenly jump up to over a thousand RCPs for to rebuild the homepage? What the fuck did you guys do? Well, um, there's a theory that they <laughs> they implemented a developer a developer build of Twitter right now, which is not good. Um, right. Because you have you have a lot of security holes and shit. Here's the here's like where the core problem was. Elon Musk decided that he was going to fire every fucking engineer at this company mm-hmm. that wrote less than 10,000 lines of code a year because he just her. looked at assembly line product productivity, not taking into account that some of the, pe- the people that are writing less than 10,000 lines of code a year are the problem solvers, are the head engineers, and are the people that are basically the specialists. So he right. wipes well, them all out. People, security people aren't writing 10,000 lines of code a fucking right. week because they don't need to. They're only doing patches at best. Right. So wipes out all the experts and only has like the layman code writers now. Um, mm-hmm. And then like put, put out this like bunk story that, oh, we accidentally fired them. And it's like, they ain't coming back now, though. Like they're done. Like you probably, and then there was a Slack leak saying that they're bringing these yeah. employees back and they're all fucking lazy. Like the guy. He's like, they're lazy entitled. They might be anti Trump or anti, not Trump, but anti Elon. Right. Twitter. And like, and then he was like, "Remember, we have to get these people back so they can transfer the knowledge to the new people, and that's it." And I was like, "My guy, you gave the game away. You literally were just like, we only need them back so they can teach, uh, like hire, like you know, we can hire new recruits and they can teach the new recruits." Right? Why would they do that at that point? And you think about like how sloppy this firing was. How many old employees still probably have access to these Slack things, and it leaked. Oh yeah. Not just the Slack thing. I mean, people have still had access to other stuff. We saw at one point Elon Musk's account was banned and then got unbanned. 
Oh. Um, you didn't see that <laughs> one? He got banned for like an hour one morning. That's he was just banned, amazing. and then he was unbanned like in the same day. Um, we saw that a bunch of people who have Elon banned on Twitter found that he wasn't banned anymore. They went to his profile. They knew they had banned him explicitly, and then they went to his profile, and he wasn't banned anymore. And a lot of people were saying, like, oh, yeah, he could just un- unban himself. Like, it's quite possible he just started unbanning himself from people because if mm-hmm. I ban Elon Musk, the main thing is he can't see my Twitter profile. Sure. Um, but if he just unbans himself, what does it matter? Obviously, he could probably still internally look at that data, but that's probably more of like a uh, an abuse of power, an unlawful use of, like, you know, accessing my profile. Whereas if he could just unban himself and then look at it, then he wouldn't have to worry about jumping through legal channels or something. Um, and you yeah, can't tell me he's stuff. not using some time to like go through people's DMs because he just has oh, unfettered access to everything on Twitter now. Absolutely, and, and he's a spiteful person. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then we saw like, yeah, he's just he like, what was if, it? I saw it infinitely today. Infinitely immature. And and yeah, like people keep saying things like you know Bernie Sanders talking about insulin, and he's like, oh, actually, insulin does cost a lot to make, and then. Fucking Twitter's like fact check feature where like users of Twitter all collectively say the same thing at a tweet and it gets like overriding and says like, hey, by the way, this yeah. is what people are saying. Like that course corrected him was like, no, actually, Bernie is literally 100 percent correct. Insulin costs nine dollars to manufacture in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and we charge 100 dollars or more 100 dollars for it. Um, he just there was he another one, know anything Hillary Clinton about one. Fucking anything. He tweeted under Hillary Clinton and was like. Uh, actually, this whole thing with Pelosi's husband might have uh, been like a whole thing. And he linked to like a rag blog that no one's ever heard of. Mm-hmm. And then like it got co- like fact checked by his own website and then he deleted it and didn't say anything about it. Didn't like, oh, yeah, I'm no retraction. Yeah, it was wrong. No, nothing. He nothing. just fucking deleted it and walked away from it. He'll never admit um, that he was wrong for anything. There was a video today that went up. It happened again today. A video went up of a Tesla trying to auto park. Yes. Um, And then it just peeled off down the road. Took off at full speed. 100 miles an hour, mm-hmm. ran by a bunch of people, hit a guy on a bike, knocked another guy off their bike, smashed yeah. through like a fruit cart thing, and then killed hit like people. another thing and fucking, mm-hmm. yeah, killed two people. And he le- he retweeted it and put like two laughing face emoji. Um, What? Yeah, he retweeted it with just two laughing face emojis. Um, wow. And then that tweet got deleted. And then all of a sudden that video started getting deleted from everyone who was tweeting it, like everywhere. Like I actually had to go looking for it. Because the original videos of it were gone, and the tweets that I saw that had talked sure. about it were gone. I saw that. Um, I saw that China's la- launching an investigation in it because that was, I guess, where it happened. So they're <clears> launching an investigation into this now, and it's not gonna. That's not gonna go well. Um. Um. Yeah. What was the, like the one? Um. There was like one where he was just like people were talking about like his purchase of Twitter, and he was like, "I did it for the laws," and it was like. What? You're like, you destroyed this entire ecosystem because you thought it was funny? Right. You're like, okay, great. Ruined it for advertisers, Um, ruined it for businesses, ruined it for governments, ruined it for people that are trying to get out of dictatorship regimes. You've ruined it for all this, and this this is just entertainment for you. Like, and not just that, but like, even just people like me and you, like, I follow a whole bunch of indie game developers and game developers in general, and that's mm -hmm. my game dev community that I watch and follow and talk about and communicate with. They're all on Twitter. Like, I had to go start making LinkedIn requests and start finding discords and jump through hoops to find the people that I follow that are, like, mentors in my community in case Twitter goes down because it's the only way I have them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that sucks to have to, like, I have so many tweets bookmarked that are, like, developer tools and tips and how to do this and processes and breakthrough things and teaching things and lessons, resources. And now I have to, like, back all these up because Elon Musk thought it would be funny to buy Twitter. 
Like, oh my god. Not only funny to buy Twitter, but funny to run it into the ground. Yeah, he like it was a profitable business before. It was making more than enough money to sustain itself. And then he buys it, ruins it in a week, and then goes, we might have to bankrupt because uh, it's actually not profitable anymore. And it was like, well, I fucking wonder. It was until the last week or so. Yeah. Um, We had uh, another major... um, we I saw it on Hassan, another <clears throat> another major like ad company saying, pause advertising, not a good time to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a huge one that was responsible for like two thousand groups or something did. Yes, um, um, mind you, this is group. a week and change before Black Friday. This is yeah. the biggest time of year for advertising revenue. Oh, dude! Not to mention how fast did like all these fake accounts pop up with getting check marks, like Nintendo posting Mario flipping the bird, right? And it was like Nintendo doofus, but like. People has a blue check. Who the fuck right. even checks that shit half the time? People don't look at handles half the time. Well, that's the thing too. Like, is like it was funny. I don't think anyone's noticed that, but like the anagram was like <laughs> Nintendo of USA or uh, Nintendo of US. It just it's yeah. Nintendo doofus. That's just how yeah. it worked out, and I love that. Yeah. But this is why it's bad for gaming. Yeah, Pe- it's pe- bad for everything. People is bad. Like biggest Nintendo, they're gonna fucking rear their horns. You don't want to. I don't care if you're the richest man in the world or not. You don't want to be at the fucking business end of Nintendo's lawyers. Oh no, absolutely not. Um, we see it in game journalism. It's affecting game journalism. It's affecting the legitimacy of like articles written. We're seeing like people. Do- oh, dude, being co- not- like not parodied, like um, yeah, but people being like imitated, and it's causing like the legitimacy of their journalism. How many people do we already lose off the platform? Nibel left like Nibel left. within a couple of days of him fucking buying it. He was yep. like, "No, I can't be here." Right. Um, yeah, like shit like that. And then, and then of course, like, oh, I'm going to be impartial. I'm going to be the owner. I'm going to, it's, you know, Twitter just needs to be like neutral. Twitter needs to just be free speech and everybody can do what they want. Right. And we stay neutral. And then the like, fucking the day before the election, RMC. he endorses a party. Right. Like full throated, like everyone needs to vote for this party. And his, his justification was we need to vote for this party because they're not the party currently in power. Right. I'm sorry. Like that's, that's a good not reason. How that not works. Policy, not outcomes for people. Literally, just because they're not in power. Like, okay. That's what that, a great decision. Yeah, that's how um you get dictatorships is by shifting power deliberately like that. And listen, guys, I'm just saying with... like the 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 fascists aren't in power right now, and the only way for them to have a fair representation is to let them have 50 percent of congressional power and make some <laughs> right. fascist rules in some places. Yeah, you know that'll keep them happy. They'll be happy. Like maybe we just need to sacrifice like the South Bible Belt and the Midwest and let them all live at gunpoint under you know strong arm fascism. Mm-hmm. Um. And then, you know, that way the rest of us can kind of just live our lives, I guess. Who cares? You know, those people will be fine out there. It won't matter. Right. Like, stupid shit like that. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. And then, of course, we've got all these fake politicians and fake uh, newscaster people going up on fake accounts and posting bullshit about, like, doing this and doing that and, th- and saying this and saying that. Uh, a company lost, like, millions of billions of dollars for their insulin thing. What was that? Eli or Lily? Lily... What's it called? Lily something. Lily L yeah. or Lily uh, EI. I don't know, fucking know. An impersonator <laughs> made an account for them and was like, uh, insulin should be free. And yeah. then they were like, oh, actually, that's not our account. And then they're like, actually, this is our account. And just the interactions caused them to lose because everyone's like, I mean, rightfully so. Insulin obviously should be cheaper as, you know, the whole right. thing with Bernie and Elon. I'll tell you what, that $8 spent has created a lot of so- oh, social yeah. uproar that I have. We, we might actually see some like political shifting or. Um, some shift to make insulin cheaper because of that $8 that was spent. Yeah. Um, um, it, that's wild. What was another one? He got into it with like very unintended consequence. It, he got into it with like a Senator because the Senator was like, 
talking about Twitter and Elon just retweeted him and was like, uh, maybe because your name sounds like a joke. Yeah. And the dude turned around. And he's like, OK, well, uh, to be fair, your company, one of your companies is under investigation by the by like the the FTC. Mm-hmm. One of your companies is an investigation from China because your Tesla murdered people today. And you specifically are like um, going to be looked at. What was it? There was another thing, too. He's being looked at by something else now. Um, I think FTC was looking at the Twitter thing, and then China was looking at the Tesla thing. Um, crazy shit. And he's mm-hmm. like, maybe you should actually run your fucking companies instead of running them into the ground before Congress has to step in and run them for you. <laughs> it's like, holy shit, dude. Like, and, and like, yeah, half of his posts are like insane, unhinged, like, I posted a link to this random blog and then delete it and then not say anything later. Mm-hmm. Or like, he's gotten fact-checked by, his, by Twitter like a couple... Of, oh, yeah, he was like... Uh, actually, Twitter is like the number one driver of clicks, and then people were like, "No, that's not even remotely no. true." Facebook is like seventy percent of it, actually, because mm-hmm. everybody uses that still to some capacity. Sure, um, except me. Well, you know, I just think in general, like, <laughs> sure, um, it's still it's still widely popular. So, Twitter has a, a unique problem where people read headlines and nothing else, um, mm-hmm. and I see it all the time. I see it on Facebook oh, yeah. too, yes, but they obviously get more click throughs. Um, Paul yeah, Tassi today was talking about it. Um, he said that he maybe gets 5% of click throughs through Twitter as, as why he has 125,000 followers and maybe 5% of his click throughs are from Twitter. He's still there. Yeah. I lost for a second. It was my discord was like, yeah, you kind of got, you got locked up there for a second. All right. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. I saw the same thing. Tassie said like his click through rate was like from Twitter is like nothing. And then, and then the fact check popped up and was like, 74% of click-through is from Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, 7% comes from Twitter, which is about the same as Pinterest, which is like <laughs> nothing. So he doesn't even know his own fucking company. He buys the company. Right. He's like, yeah, we're responsible for three quarters of click-through. He knows like, it. He knows his company. He just knows he's full of shit. And like, he just, yeah, yeah. you know. Yep. No, absolutely. Yeah. And it's just so funny because like more and more people lately have been watching these things happen and seeing what he's been saying. And now that he's speaking more on Twitter and talking to people about Twitter and mm-hmm. making decisions at Twitter and like they, you know, Twitter blue happened. And then people were like, this doesn't, this actually makes a million things worse and doesn't solve anything. And it cost the company money at the end of the day. Yeah. Oh yeah. And they were losing money. The amount of money they made from blue, Twitter blue was way lower than the amount they lost in the advertisers. They were actually, it was a net loss. Mm-hmm. And then the best part, they're like, this doesn't actually solve the problem we need of like a verified accounts. And he goes, Oh shit, they're right. Okay. We're going to make official and it's going to be another check mark that shows up as well. And it was like, okay, I guess. Right. Um, you reinvented the old Twitter blue check mark. Great. And then they put it up and then it went away in like an hour and they were like, Oh, we fucked up. And they took it back down. Mm-hmm. And then they went around again and they made, they, you know, they, they and then they made two blue check marks. One, if you click on it now, it says, this person is Twitter blue and they paid $8. And the other one says like, this person's verified because they're like an important person in like media and shit. Um, and then that had a problem because like people like Ludwig, you know, a big YouTuber um, or Twitch streamer, I guess. I don't know. He bought the $8 blue to get less ads and then lost his it, verification. It the official part. So mm-hmm. now it looks like he just paid for Twitter blue and that's why he's official and not like official official. It should be two separate um, things. And, and it, it is two things again because they went back to right. doing official again. <laughs> so it's like, what the fuck are we doing over here? I don't know. And then you know what he says at the end of the day, he goes, "Oh, uh, companies will be allowed to send us information to verify who they are, and then we'll give them the official." And it was like, that's the fucking system we had before you bought it. 
two weeks ago that worked just fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yep. Well, that's the thing. Like the the verification beforehand before Musk took over was flawed. I will say that all day. But this yeah, is, of course, infinitely worse. Um, and the big the big draw. The, the I think the cherry on top of this is like less than fifty thousand people bought into the Twitter blue thing. Um, you think about that compared to how many Twitter users there are. I don't. I just yeah. let's see how many. Let me see how many users there are here in Twitter. Thirty, almost four hundred million users globally, and less than fifty thousand bought into the blue check. That's like. Well, I'm sorry, you said how many? Fifty thousand? Less than fifty thousand. I think it was like forty six, forty seven, and they rounded up to fifty. It's like less than the concurrent player account on Steam's on Destiny for Steam. <clears throat> and how many? Uh... Users on Twitter in general? Almost 400 million. Like 396. 400 million. That's... That's got to be less than a percent. Um, If you do 50,000 users and you divide it by 400 million users in general, Mm -hmm. and you move the decimal place two points to get a percentage, the percentage is 0.0125. Sounds about right. So 0.01% of users. Um, paid for Twitter Blue, so so not even like the, not even like the Musk desk writers are buying into it because they just like yeah not why? even like yeah oh my god I remember like this whole thing about he was like oh yeah bots there's so many bots on Twitter I feel like most of those bots were like for him that's <laughs> like, what I'm saying it's like he was like on board with or whatever it's like do you realize like the bots are probably like, the crypto bots the bots out of Russia it's like all of those bots benefit you. And oh, like, and by all means, get rid of them. I don't give a shit. I and they didn't go anywhere. They didn't you still because they like, didn't implement anything. Well, yeah, <laughs> like like Tassie will be like something something happened. Twitter, Elon Musk, and he'll get like ten people in his replies. He didn't even say anything bad. He'll just be like Elon Musk. Uh, so Elon Musk really bought Twitter, huh? And in the comments, people will be like, "Oh, you're just mad they bought Twitter because like you hate him." And it was like he just commented on the news he didn't right. even give an opinion yet he just said like this was the thing that happened today yep. and you guys showed up in the replies to like lube yourselves up and hop on yep so that was wild yeah they, and like a lot of the people that have bots or or have like scam bots or anything like that the cost of eight dollars is probably just the cost of doing business for them like they're probably still reaping the reward especially if they're scam bots well, that's the problem. A lot of a lot of normal like streamers and YouTubers and small content creators, small artists like like painters and and people who do commissions, all these people had to like felt obligated to like pay the eight dollars. Well, well, obviously mm-hmm. not that many did, but like a lot of people were saying that they feel like they need to, or that they would feel like they would need to in in if the ecosystem stays around long enough. Mm-hmm. Because if I go looking for people to do commissions. The people with the blue checks show up first. They show up first in my comments. They show up first in my replies. They show right. up first in my search. So, like, you have to spend that $8 if you're trying to make any kind of money on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, but, hey, don't worry, because if you're a YouTube creator, you can come over and make videos on Twitter because he'll pay you 10% more than YouTube pays you. Right. And that's also, another interesting thing. Chapter 11. Like, yeah, as the, how, where is they going to hey, get the money? Unless he's going to pay it out of pocket. <laughs> the company's unsustainable. We have to file Chapter 11. Right. But we're going we're gonna to offer more money to YouTubers than YouTube does They now. don't even have a fucking infrastructure <laughs> for it yet, and they're already making these offers. It's like, you don't have anything to provide to the creators. Um, and as a creator <laughs> myself, like, if I have to pay $8 mm-hmm. to even get seen, and that's not even guaranteed, like, an increase in traffic. 
That's just to be no, seen. It's, it's like it's like. But I'm not going to use Twitter. Twitter. I'm not yeah, going to use Twitter as an. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. I don't. Um, what did I see? Like, oh, dude! Like, even today, I saw that video of the Tesla thing happening, right? Um, or no, no, it was a different video. I saw. I saw another video about about politics that was two minutes, mm-hmm. and like. When I see a video on YouTube that's like an hour, like a like a debate or like talking about what's happening in politics, I'll watch that shit because it's an hour video on YouTube and I'm used to that. Mm-hmm. On Twitter, if you show me a video and then the time tag says it's two minutes, I'm like, oh man, two minutes. Like I'm I'm already it's conditioned to not be there right. for that content. Like exactly. <laughs> two minutes feels like forever on Twitter when I'm watching a video. Twitter is never going to be like the next YouTube. That's insane. Insane. It's just one of those things where it's like you set up you you know it, like if you go to like a Six Flags anywhere mm-hmm. in the country, you go to a Six Flags. You're expecting that the food is like fair food, right? Like you're not expecting good food at a Six Flags. You're expecting like cheap kind of greasy pizza, kind of cheap chicken nuggets. Like mm-hmm. that's just what it is. You know what I mean? That's just what you expect at those places. That's what you at Twitter. You don't expect long video content. Long form video content isn't there. You right. don't watch it. You don't go to um, you don't go to like Dorney Park or Disney. Disney's a horrible example, but you don't go to like like Six Flags, like you said. And you, you don't go there for, like, a fucking five-course meal or it's like, oh, I'm in my no. bathing suit. I can't eat a steak in a bathing suit. Like, doesn't make any no. sense. <laughs> so. exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, a, it's exactly the case. Like, like yeah, like, if I was going to go, like, you know, I wouldn't tell my wife to, like, get on a red dress and some nice heels and get her hair done up and get her makeup done and then bring her to, like, a state park for, like, a picnic. Like, <laughs> right. you don't expect that there. That's not what that's for. Exactly. Um, yeah, so it's just wild to watch people like, be like him specifically be like, yeah, pay YouTube creators even more than YouTube pays them to come over to Twitter. And it was like, with what fucking money? You're like, you're, you're like <laughs> right. in the pool for buying Twitter in the first place. Borderline insolvent. You just, you just said you were going to be bankrupt now. Like, Twitter's going to have to shut down for bankruptcy because you can't afford to keep the place running, which yeah. is your fault because you drove all the advertisers away and the investors away. Right. And they, exclu- they expect but... YouTube creators to either break a contract to get out of it to go over to Twitter and... To what? There's no Dude. infrastructure that there for it. And Dude, there's no user there's base a, for a, it. There's a reason why the only competitor for YouTube for like most content, like gaming and stuff, is like Twitter, is uh Twitch. Because mm-hmm. like Mixer was around and it died. Um Facebook did theirs, and as far as I can tell, Facebook gaming is like dead. There's like pretty much no one doing yeah, it. I don't see app pushes for it anymore. No one tries to push for it anymore. Yeah. Like and if, if if Facebook could not compete with YouTube and Twitch and Mixer couldn't compete with Twitch, like what the fuck is Twitter gonna do? Right. Like if maybe pre Elon, if Twitter had decided to go in that direction, it was possible. If they implemented some new infrastructure to make it happen, they would have to do it slowly. Maybe. Do like slow over like rollouts overnight or you know, right yeah. bits at a time. Implement feature over feature. Right. Yeah. There's the you can't just fucking snap your fingers and be like, and now all of YouTube will migrate to us. Like, right. It's never gonna what happen. The fuck? What are you talking about? No one in their fucking right mind as a creator is going to do it. Unless it was someone stupid like fucking Ninja or something. Um, but I, I don't see it happening. I don't see a single creator leaving YouTube um, YouTube money for Twitter money that we just... We know doesn't exist. Yeah, literally. Yeah, exactly. It's... <clears throat> it's insane. And then, yeah, like, like yeah. Just, like, destroying Twitter's, like, any sense of, of like, verification on Twitter, uh, like, two days before a fucking election. And then... Like all this shit happening right before Black Friday when all these, you know, advertisers are looking to advertise like heavily, like anyone, anyone, whoever with a straight face tells me Elon Musk is a smart businessman. I'm going to point at them and be like, this guy ruined the like the number one social media platform for advertisers mm-hmm. like two weeks before they wanted to advertise everything on the fucking planet that they could advertise. Right. Like 
this has to be the number one time of the year where advertisers are looking to pour money into advertisements to see a return at the stores. Like, well, I can't even think of like a better metaphor because this is like the this seems like be like the standard root metaphor for for Elon Musk. He's what a stupid person thinks a smart person is. Um, yeah, literally. The dude and, literally fills upward. Like right. it's insane. Of course. You finally oh, get to that. Man. You get to like that money threshold where you. It doesn't matter if you fail a million times. You're never going to be poor. You're I was never... going to make the joke. I was going to make the joke that Elon feels like crypto as a person, but he pretty much is crypto as a person. He is. Yeah. He even did that. Yep. <laughs> like he even did the whole thing. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, well, it sucks because, like, as I mean, obviously, our podcast is primarily about gaming, and from a gaming perspective, this sucks. It yeah. sucks from every perspective. But from a gaming perspective, game journalism, if you have games, you if you have game people you follow, if you have content creators you follow, small content creators get buried immediately. Bigger content creators have to pay or have to work extra to get their way around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lack of engagement from people, people trying to flee to other platforms causes numbers to go down. You get a vicious cycle. Game developers don't want to publish uh, ads and things on Twitter and push sure. their games on Twitter because it's a bad place to put your stuff now. Like journalists are leaving. Literally, journalists are leaving the platform. People like Nibel, who was a well-respected very he was he was usually like source zero for a lot of information oh yeah him leaving is like holy shit um it sucks in every capacity you could imagine it sucks yep um there's no winner here it's just garbage (laughs) straight up all right well let's move on i'm sure we'll probably talk about more about this at least in the future um because he ain't done yet there's still plenty of plenty of a house to burn down here so yeah, we'll see. Uh, let's move on. Uh, get get towards the end of this here. We're going to talk about upcoming game releases this week. Um, let's take a look. So November fifteenth, we have Floodland on PC, uh, Pentiment on the Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and PC. Smurfs Cart finally uh, coming to the Switch. Somerville Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One and PC. Uh, Shredder's Revenge coming to the PlayStation Five. And uh, Ease, Lacrimosa of Dana coming to the PS5 as well. I think I already have that on the Switch. Uh, November 16th, we're getting Call of Duty Warzone 2.0. That's coming to PlayStation 4 and 5, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and PC. November 7th, we're getting the Goat Simulator 3, PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, PC. Can't wait to see um, some playtime on that. That'll, that's going that's to be a hilarious game. Um, yeah. Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales coming to the PC. PID. Coming to the Switch. Um, a couple no-name games, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet coming into the Switch. Uh, I don't think anyone's ever and heard of them. Um, <laughs> Resident Evil 3 coming to the Switch. And uh, Dark Pictures Anthology, Devil in Me coming to the PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and PC. That is all coming at you this week. So I'll definitely be picking okay. up play the Pokemon games. Um, I always buy the dual packs. And I just kind of handed to my daughter. I'm like, you pick one, I'll play the other. And then that's that's what we do. So I'm excited yeah. to see that. Um, there is going to be a lot of co-op mechanics in this Pokemon. Um, so I'll definitely be interested at least either doing a stream with everyone else who has Pokemon in our community um, or something even off stream. So I'll be definitely excited. I know Claire's picking it up. I'm not sure if you're intending on picking it up or not. But it's on my list. I think, like, I was thinking of getting it for the kids for Christmas, like mm-hmm. getting one for one, one for the other. Sure. So I might not actually play it at launch. I might just stock it in their Christmas gifts and then kind of get to it down the road. Fair enough. <laughs> I guess we'll see. I know my next purchase that I feel like is a mandatory one is uh, a few weeks out is uh, Midnight Suns, the Marvel Midnight Suns. Yeah, that looks good. Where are you getting so that on? I'm excited for that game. Oh, that's a good question, actually. I have no idea. 
Is it on Steam? Because I'll probably get it there. Probably on Steam. Uh, yeah, let's. Um, if we're gonna do like a co-op thing with that, I would say is that a co-op thing? I think it's a single-player game, okay. like story-driven right, single-player. Never mind that. Because it's like it's a tactical <laughs> top-down game. I don't think there's a lot of multiplayer components you could do. Right. But I'll double check. Um, I just know that one. Uh, the way the combat and the way the the the, the progression system seems to work in that game is mm -hmm. extremely interesting to me. Sure. It's a gameplay loop that I'm very interested in messing around with. Um, wasn't there something else that comes out soon? No, I think it's the Crisis Core remake is in December as well. That's coming up. Yep. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Game. That's gonna look. That yeah. looks really good. It looks really good. Um, I don't think. Um, Midnight Suns is a single player game. Yeah, okay, that makes enough. sense. I'm not sure what they would do to make it multiplayer other than like social spaces. Yeah. So that's fair. That's fair. Yep. All right, let's look on to gaming history. Take a look oh, here. Uh, this is a big one this week. Um, Pokemon Sun and Moon came out on the 3DS six years ago. Uh, the PlayStation 4 launched nine years ago. The Wii U launched ten years ago. Uh, mm -hmm. Super Mario Land 3D came out on the Nintendo DS 11 <clears> years ago. Assassin's Creed came out on the Xbox 360 and the PS3 15 years ago. Uncharted Drake's Fortune came out on the PlayStation 3 15 years ago. The PlayStation 3 console launch was 16 years ago. The Nintendo Wii console launch was 16 years ago. Uh, Zelda Twilight Princess on the Wii came out 16 years ago. Obviously a launch title there. Uh, Mario Kart on the DS came out 17 years ago. Metroid Prime 2 Echoes came out on the GameCube 18 years ago. Half-Life 2 came out to the PC 18 years ago. Um, I can't wait for Half-Life 3. It's uh, coming out right, one of these days. Coming. It's coming. Yeah, stay uh, tuned. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. um, Mario Kart Double Dash came out of the GameCube 19 years ago. And Metroid Prime came to the GameCube 20 years ago. Uh, the GameCube launched 21 years ago. Luigi's Mansion came out 21 years ago. Um, the Xbox launched 21 years ago. Skies of Arcadia on the Dreamcast 22 years ago. WWF No Mercy came out on the N64 22 years ago. Half-Life, the original, um, part of the trilogy, came out 24 oh, yeah. years ago. <laughs> um, Parappa the Rappa came out on the PlayStation 25 years ago. Um, Tomb Raider came to the PlayStations, Sega, Saturn, and DOS 26 years ago. It's wild to think of those two generations, like DOS and Sega, Saturn, <laughs> yeah. and PlayStation, all being in like the same era. It's so weird. Uh, yeah. DOS, DOS <laughs> ran late, man. Um, Sonic, we have the Atari Jaguar launched 29 years ago. Sonic CD released 29 years ago. Lethal, Lethal Enforcers came to the arcade 30 years ago. Um, and Takashi Tezuka was born 62 years ago, and Shigeru Motomoto, Mira Miyamoto came, uh, was born 70 years ago. I must have came out 70 years ago. Um, so, obviously, we see a pattern here. Um, a lot of console launches. This is the time of year where, um, obviously, this is like the sweet spot for console launches. I'm pretty sure we'll probably see a peppering next week. Um, <laughs> do, you, but... do you think, like, do you think, like, Nintendo keeps putting out consoles on Miyamoto's birthday? <laughs> like, just because... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god maybe like that's the thing he's got 70 years old this week that is that's crazy frightening you know i will say for for a 70 year old developer he his his graphics are pretty good he looks like he's he looks pretty 3d he looks pretty <laughs> right real. right um he holds up pretty well i'll tell time. you what not only does he look young he is still just as fucking great as he was 30 years ago with nintendo um I, the guy is a pivotal keystone of Nintendo. And I just, yeah. I can't think of that. I can't think of Nintendo without him. I just, 
Dude, I, I'm, let me tell you, the more I read about, like, the early days of gaming in the 90s and 2000s, like, the more, even the 80s even, the more, like, I keep coming across story after story where, like, a company, usually a Nintendo-affiliated company, was just like, we didn't know what the fuck to do with Blank, so we called Miyamoto, and he just showed up and, like, made a thing for Just do air. this, yeah. He's like, he's like the gaming MacGyver, like, they would be like, fucking a company would call him and be like hey uh miyamoto we don't know what to do like what do we call the next nintendo and he's like the super nintendo and they were like (laughs) (laughs) oh my god it's so funny they'd be like oh yeah we were trying to make a game we don't even know what our game's gonna be about and he would just walk in with like a rubber band and a paper clip and sit down and be like imagine if you did this and that's the reason we had golden eye or some shit like that (laughs) yeah yeah i mean it's so crazy he's why we got mario kart from um shit what's the game oh i told you about that. f1 yeah, f- the f0 f0 yes um like, they were like we want to make f0 two players and he mm-hmm. walked in and sat down and they were like we can't make f0 run with two players like we can't do split screen and we can't keep right. them on the same screen because that doesn't work so like what do we do and he was like slow them down make them really slow and they were like why would you play an f0 where it's really slow and he's like make them go-karts that'll be fun and then they played it and they were like okay yeah it's kind of cool to have go-karts but like how do we sell this game if it's not f0 and he's like make mario kart and they were like, are you fucking serious? And right. then he just like left the studio and they were like, holy shit. And then they made Mario yeah. Kart and it fucking did gangbusters. Yep. <laughs> like, he said, make just Mario like, Kart, he, just, he left and failed to elaborate. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy to think he could walk into a studio and look at them and be like, let me take the scope of your project and then just manipulate it into like a perfectly fucking workable game and be like, here, you should make this. <laughs> right. And they're like, holy shit. All right, yeah, like it was crazy. That's how he did everything. That's how he made Zelda. He literally just sat down one day and was like, I like exploring the caves in my backyard. What if I made a whole game about this and just fucking prototype the game out of it? Mm -hmm. Oh, man, the dude's crazy. Yeah, gotta love it. All right, well, we're going to wrap up the show for this week. Um, I do appreciate everyone for tuning in and watching live or watching later. Um, You can always find me on Twitch streaming on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. Um, You can find me there at Retro Game Dude. You can find me here on YouTube at Retro Game Dude. Uh, And then on Twitter, you can find me as Game Dude Retro. Um, Like I said, our schedule here this week will be Tuesday at 9, Wednesday at 9, and Saturday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And, of course, Jackbox will be on Saturday. Um, And that's always open to anyone who wants to play. We always have a good time. Uh, It's always a ruckus. So, yeah, definitely. Um, Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.